Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. This is my best friend in the whole world, who is uh, fist pumping at his desk right now. Uh, doing the Numa Numa dance. Do the, the forgot about that fat fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what a classic internet. That's that's a meme before memes right there. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's probably not even a meme because it was a video. Yeah, he was. Uh, <clears throat> remember, remember a Star Wars kid? <laughs> that fat kid. Uh, apparently redeemed himself. I heard. <laughs> Did he kill himself? He killed himself, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> no, I thought he brought down an empire. Um, but <laughs> no, uh, my best friend in the whole world, Mr. Colin. Mr. Colin Ward, I'm Joshua Michael, and we are the Minefields. And as of course, <laughs> you guys are listening because you know that we record uh, every week to tell you about everything that happened awesome in comics last week. We give you plenty of time to get caught up. And what we really hope is that while you're on your way to your local shop, with an E at the end, that you hear about something that uh, you might have missed, and hopefully it's still on the goddamn shelf, and your your local will will pick it up, get you that yeah yeah get you yeah. get you that back issue. Hopefully Diamond will put it in a box and it won't get knocked to crap like they usually do, man. I'm, oh my goodness, I know, man. <clears throat> it's it's seen it so many times. It's a travesty. I remember I was at Iron Lion one night, um, and. Uh, just talking with very nice people there, and um, they were a little distressed, and they they mentioned that they don't sell anything less than a nine point seven. Yeah, and yeah. wait, who was that at the Iron Line here in the Springs? And okay, they were you know they were telling me about that, and I'm like, well, what happened? And they're like, thirty five percent of their shipment was just unsellable. Was and, that this week? No, that was like it was like three months ago. It was it was a while. Oh, yeah. It was a while ago. But like I was like, well, let me see. And they showed me what they considered to be messed up, and like I, I gotta say, like ninety percent of it was like jacked, like some like hungover dude at Diamond showed up and started jamming shit in the boxes to just make sure it all fit in one box, and it was a travesty. But there was a few books that just I probably wouldn't have noticed unless they pointed out. And um, but even then, even then, I don't even know how we got on the subject. No, no, totally. It makes it, dude. This <clears throat> this stuff happens. I went to uh, I went to one game store today in in Tulsa. I went to Covenant uh, Games down on Lewis, way down south by the uh, Oral Roberts University campus. And I was like, okay, well, I want to check this out because I'm looking for <clears throat> some card supplies, some gaming card supplies. And uh, I go in, and I'm like, okay, well, this is a, this is the place where you sh- this is the place where you play. You don't you don't. There's not a lot of shopping to be done, right? Um, so then I went uh, down into Jinx, which is a town that borders uh, Tulsa, and I went to um, Alien Games, and that place was loaded with people, loaded with tables, just like it was last time. Really nice gal that runs that place, Karen. Uh, at least she was the one that was there. I don't know if somebody actually owns it that I don't know. <clears throat> but um, Did you ask to speak to her manager? I did not. I just figured she was. She was so good at what she was doing. As a caring. Um, and uh, I asked her if she had any, um, I don't know what to call it, like card boxes that had five channels. You guys know what that means? You've got like a 5,000 card box yeah. and you can put a row, row after row after row of cards in it in 1,000 card lengths. She said, yeah. So she went out and she picked them up and she brought them in. They were in brand new. They just shipped. So, but some of them were beat to hell. And I'm like, man, I mean, what, where do these retailers are getting dicked on how stuff is getting shipped to them? 
I, I can't even imagine, like, when you've got, like, a $195 maquette statue or something that shows up, and it's busted right out of the box. And you just turn it around and have to send it back to, uh, back to start. It's just, that's got to be so frustrating. Especially if people are looking forward to it, especially if you have pre-orders, all of that. And it's, yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, it came in broken. You don't have everybody who's totally reasonable who's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, that's okay. I understand. I'll, I'll, I'll wait another week or two weeks or two months or whatever the heck happens. People get to turn into dicks. Well, anyway. it happens. Did you get some good books this week? I did. I did. I, uh, I got... Um, I got a selection. You've got the list. I gave you the list. Uh, we got the list. We got the list. <clears throat> You've got an enormous list. I had to trim it down. Um, I had to trim it down. I'm actually cutting out. <laughs> I'm actually cutting out the uh, X Men five minutes this week because <laughs> five minutes. <laughs> yeah, the X minute. It's it's just one of those things where <clears throat> it was just that I said no more mutants. That's why you're not doing it. <laughs> no, that's a good point. You've said that quite a few times, but uh, no, I do not. <laughs> I was lying. Not, not in this case. Not for I this reason. Lying. No, it's it's like in order to understand what's going on in X Men right now. And granted, you and I, um, and, and this is something that like kind of bothers me still to this day. Is like you and I, we're not rich, but you and I have the means to get what we need and what we want on on, on certain levels that are luxuries, like comics and magic cards and that sort of thing. And I remember not ever being in that position uh as a child and even a teenager oh, yeah. as a teenager like you know still rereading your 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 you've got one like half box of of comics you've read a million times you still keep reading them because you can't just get like 10 comics a week uh that's that's ridiculous yeah, right that, that, uh, even at a buck 25 or whatever when i was buying books yeah in junior high. now it's like 355 <laughs> and you know you and i are spending probably like 300 dollars a month on comic books and that's crazy okay okay let's calm down but but even then but even then um in order my, my point is is that in order to understand what's going on in x-men right now you have to get every single title you're talking fallen angels oh. x-force x-caliber uh x-men um uh, uh, new mutants and uh, I feel like I'm missing one out um, but in order to understand what's going on you, you have to read everything in, in order to have re- understand what's going on in those things you have to have read House and Powers of X which were a six issue series and every single issue of that comic was like five six bucks oh awful uh, well it, it was totally worth it I mean like the, those particular ones were, were <coughs> worth it <clears throat> But uh, I, I want them to have a little bit more fun. Um, X Men is getting a little convoluted, like the actual X Men comic. Um, it's always convoluted. Uh no, it's getting more like, um, like you, you, like even like on a base level, like when you're like scrolling through memes, and you get to one that has like three sentences in it, and you're like, not reading that, too much to read. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> too much to read. Too much to read. And you you, you scroll through X-Men, and all of a sudden Hickman gives you, like, a, an essay to read. And, okay, and then all of a sudden I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting through great action, great dialogue, and all of a sudden I get to an essay I have to read. I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to read a whole essay about why uh, Shinobi Shaw is back or why these first people that were resurrected are any way important like just give me the gist of it like just like you can't just put the brakes on things like that 
I mean, I understand that it was a nice artistic choice. It, it it's visually appealing when you see the way when you when all of a sudden you turn the page you've got an essay to read. Uh, all, all the graphics, the fonts. I mean, it, it looks great, but then you get to this roadblock, and like, like you can't just jam on the brakes like that. Um, I'm glad they tried, um, but I, I don't feel that that is really working in terms of people that are really just so immersed. But then there's people that are not like me. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm only one dude. Um, some people might really enjoy slaving over that sort of thing. I don't. Uh, not not an X Men book. Not. Yeah. Definitely not an X-Men book. I might buy that in uh, like a one-off series of something really convoluted in Batman where I'm expecting for that sort of thing to happen. And, oh, by the way, I changed my ringtone to uh, Power Rangers. Awesome. <laughs> if you, awesome. If you, if, you, Can, if you heard that. <laughs> you don't have to say who's calling, but who's calling? Uh, who just texted me? Oh, Mr. Gunther. I texted him earlier. I was like... Oh. I was like, dude, Gunther. I was, I was, ju- I, I, I just like, I have my iPad next to me. It came up because he commented on that hilarious Grant Morrison uh, yeah. meme that we saw today. Uh, I don't know if you guys. Let me pull this up. And hi, Gunther. By the way, I uh, come on, give it, give me the works, give me the juice, yeah, the, me the, the juice. juice. The... Okay, uh, a, a buddy of ours, Gunther. He's a a, a, a comics artist. He um. He had had like a a clip and save feature. I don't know. They made it to look like that. He posted on Facebook the Grant Morrison guide to writing. It's got a little picture of Grant Morrison there giving you the eye. It was great. Combine one word from column one, another from column two, and another from column three, and you've got a mind-blowing concept for your own Morrison-esque epic. So... (laughs) Let's, uh, I mean, I almost want to roll the dice and see what we get. Dude, roll but it. It's, roll it's, it. Do it. Oh, dude. No, the last one he said <coughs> that made me laugh was a hexagonal god pill. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I can make a whole story out of the idea that a hexagonal god pill exists or a unimorphic antimatter dream yeah. or a, uh, <laughs> a multiversal null particle. I mean, yeah, you take any of that stuff and it makes me think of Marvel Boy. Or any of that and it, it goes right into uh, that that Green Lantern series he was just working on. Is he still on that? Uh, I think it's been about three months since one of those issues came out. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. It's, um, yeah, that's what he does. Even like Batman R.I.P. I mean, we, we love Grant Morrison. Um, I, I was actually kind of sad. There, I, okay, A... We have all of these. Uh, uh, by the way, thanks for the sidetrack, Gunther. Um, the um, the My Chemical Romance uh, tickets that have sold out worldwide faster than you can say Helena, and um, uh, they had a really really cool intro trailer movie that incorporated the Scarecrows from the Killjoys album and the videos for that for the for that album and that was the one that grant morrison was starring in one of those music videos well uh, morrison is uh gerard way's uh mentor oh yeah totally absolutely now now yeah they are quite tight those guys was there word on the street if you bought the tickets you got like 50 percent off something at hot topic 20 years ago <laughs> i don't know about that yeah like years ago for sure. You could go back in time and you could get My Chemical Romance swag from 2009, I think. Dude, I worked at, I worked at Hot Topic in 2001 mm-hmm. and 
Yeah, uh, I remember when uh, I'd never heard of this band, and their their records started showing up along with Umbrella Academy comics, and uh-huh. and Avenged Sevenfold Transplants. Um, like it was just it was just grouped into this shit that was just gay. <laughs> like, 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 I hated all that. Like, cause all, it was just nothing but little girls that had no cuts on them with pink hair and like fake plastic leather, and and I was like, okay, here's your CD. It wasn't a big deal to me, but because we were getting because in between that stuff that we didn't ha- actually have to play that stuff. Now they actually have a hot topic radio station uh, oh, that, yeah. that they play in the in the store. But when we were working there back in 2001, it it didn't matter. They actually had a really great serious system for us, and we they would we were we basically got a copy a promo copy of every single CD that came in, and we could pick whatever we wanted to play. And that's rad. So my big brother Jim and I, uh, who was like the worst manager ever, <laughs> but he would especially because him and like all the other dudes that were working with us were like stealing, and I was buying stuff like a sucker, um, even with a fifty percent discount. Um, we, we, like I remember one morning, we, like uh, Jim and I were opening the store, and he was like going through the the case of what we we're gonna play that day. He was like picking basement jacks. Uh, Ju- oh, rad. Juno Reactor, um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, CKY, and I'm like, I fucking hate that shit, and he's like, just listen to it, and, um, Transplants, and, but never, uh, we, we'd play events sevenfold every now and then, like, on a Saturday when, like, it was busy or something like that, because that's what they were listening to, and, um, it, it, it took me a while to warm up to your idea of My Chemical Romance over there, and I just, I just, I, I feel like... I should have told you that a long time ago, and I apologize. Oh no, not at all. I know, I know, dude. I've I've constantly thrown the concept at you of like, hey, this, that, or the other. Check, like this lyric means a lot to me, or this entire song, or I never discredited those. Whatever. I never discredited yeah. those. I just oh no, not at all. But more often than not, you've just been like, yeah, I, I've just never been that big of a fan. And I'm like, I get it. Not everybody is, you know. It 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 uh, even even people who are people who are who I know who are like serious rock people metal people are like whatever and i remember the first time i listened to them because i was uh, uh there was this girl that lived across the breezeway from me in an apartment complex and she turned me on to them by giving me their cd uh, uh three cheers for sweet revenge and i was like okay this is uh I don't know if I can take this seriously but i listened to that first song helena over and over and over and i finally I was like, I gotta check out the video, and we didn't have YouTube, so I got on uh, QuickTime, found found a QuickTime video of it or whatever, and I watched it again and again and again. And I couldn't get over the visual style. That was great, and it, it was great. The, I've seen that video; it the is great. Editing is awesome in that video, and then I I just fell in love with the dancer in it who returned to dance in this new promo for the the North American return tour. And um, she was also she's in a ton of stuff. She's she's uh, a, like a prof- she's a professional dancer. Uh, I think her dad is a major was a major uh, NFL football coach uh, or something. And um, oh yeah, she was awesome. I just I couldn't I don't know. There was just so much that I liked about just the style. And then I got more and more into that album, and 
Then the Black Parade came out, and that was enormous to me. And I can go on and on about this and everything. Well, I was trying to find freaking tickets to one show. But um, anyhow, things being what they are, I'm glad that uh, Gerard is doing the uh, doing comics. Well, don't you get like a free ticket every time you refill your antidepressants? <laughs> uh, they they count your uh, tiger stripes, and if you don't have enough, well, thank you. Then thank you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because uh, listeners, I've got some tiger stripes. Not not proud of them, but that's how I refer to them. Uh, do that's, your work. Your that's how I that's how I refer to them. But uh, even then, um, it's still it's still funny. Like when like I'll be at work and I'll be talking to someone that I've never met before. Uh, over whatever we're talking about work wise and I see their eyes just dart there <laughs> and like and like yeah, yeah uh, uh, over here buddy my eyes are over here <laughs> um but but even even then like um I don't hate them I appreciate them it's like it makes me think of the Beatles. I don't like the Beatles, but I respect them. It's, oh, it's I'm not, just it's, bored it's, of the Beatles. It's not Please. it's not bad music. It's great music. It's phenomenal music. But it's not for me. And uh, also uh, to just talk, go back to comics. I remember when uh, back that back in that time, Hot Topic was selling uh, Lenore comics, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac comics. Oh yeah, um, those were phenomenal. They did have great comics, and I remember uh, when we first got the first uh, line of NECA toys. Uh, mm-hmm. run in the Hellraiser toys. I mean, there was a few beforehand, but when the Hellraiser toys came in, we lost our shit. And one of my favorite moments of my life, and I was waiting tables at Johnny Creators and Norman, and this older gentleman came in, and I I, I want to say he was probably like maybe 40, 49, and, uh, and uh, he had his elderly father with him, and I, you know, they, were, they were the only people in my booth, uh, in the, the booths I had, and uh, it was it, like 30 minutes to close, so I'm a little annoyed that they showed up that late, and it wasn't a big deal, um, but I go up talk to them, and like, and they're just engrossed in talking, and I can tell that the older dad is like, you know, just loving everything he's saying, and they're having just a good time enjoying each other's company, and I was like, what do you do? And he's like, oh, you wouldn't know it. <laughs> and I'm like, try me. He's like, well, I make toys. I'm a sculptor. And I'm like, oh, Nice. And I was like, for what company? And he's like, you wouldn't know it. And I'm like, try me. And he's like, NECA, NECA. And I was like, you work for NECA? And he was like, <laughs> and and he was like, you know what that is? And I was like, not only do I know it, I've got a ton of the toys. I've got all the Hellraiser toys. I've got a Predator. I've got uh, the American Psycho. And he was mm-hmm. like, which Predator? And I was like, the first, no, no, the second one. And he's like, I sculpted that. And he's like, awesome. And I was like, no shit. And and then I look, I just look at the the older elder. His dad was elderly, and just uh-huh. the smile on his face while, while <laughs> I'm just like geeking out, fanboying. And and I was like, well, did you do anything else? Like, which Hellraiser toys do you have? And he's like, I did the uh, the pinhead from uh, uh, series two. And I was like, I have all of those. And it was just so nice to talk to these guys, and he told me... That's great. And uh, I was like, well, you know, tell me more about what you do. And he just, he was telling me more about what he did and his past, and he used to work for McFarlane, and he had the most spot-on McFarlane impression, and telling me about how McFarlane was, like, the biggest asshole, like, douchebag. 
and and I'm like just just like how dare you? That's <laughs> the Todd father, and uh, and uh, he's like, well, we would make a toy, and he'd come in. It's too demonic. <laughs> like he's yeah. he said that. <laughs> like yeah, he would. The the guy that created Spawn would 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 say that our sculptures were were too demonic, and we all just said fuck it and left and went to NECA. And he's like, have you noticed that there's not any toys coming out from uh, McFarlane? Like, from McFarlane? Yeah, I was like, wow. yeah, it really, yeah. it's really kind of gone down. He's like, yeah, they're just doing a lot of baseball, uh, uh, basketball stuff. But do you see those bullshit Walking Dead toys? I'm like, yeah, I just got that uh, um, Daryl Dixon, the first Daryl Dixon action figure for the first line. Was that the one with the motorcycle? No, that was like the fifth one of those. Uh, oh, okay. it, it was It was him with his crossbow. But it was the ugliest sculpt. He had like a baby arm, and um, it, it, it was bad. It was a terrible sculpt. And I sold that motherfucker for two hundred dollars on eBay, uh, and like like buy it now, two hundred bucks. Like I posted it thirty seconds later, boom, your money's there. Awesome. Yeah, and it was like it was so funny because uh, uh, just uh, just comic story. Uh, it was. I was living with my sister. We had a house in Norman, and uh, it was Valentine's Day. And I, I always bought my sister something for Valentine's Day, and I just bought her a box of chocolates. And uh, she was getting up for work earlier than I was. I, she was working morning. I was working night because we worked at the same place. And um, like here's you know here's your candy. She's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh thank you. Um, I'm gonna give you your present later on tonight, and I was like, "Great!" It was a Wednesday. <laughs> it was a Wednesday, so I sober up, have some coffee, and uh, go to the Speeding Bullet. And Dan's like, "Hey, <laughs> your sister." That's what he does. That's yeah. how he sounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, I can just imagine. I miss Dan. I haven't seen him in a long uh, time. Oh, great, great gentleman, <clears throat> great guy. Mm. Got a story to tell you about Dan in a second. Um, <laughs> you're telling one now. Yeah, he's like your sister was here earlier, and I'm like looking at the toys, oh. and I was like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, she wanted to know what what uh, sort of things you were looking at. <laughs> and I, like, <laughs> and, and, uh, I noticed there that that the one dereliction dereliction figure they had was gone, and she gave that to me later on that night, and it was it was so sweet. She's like, yeah, I had this ready for you. I'm like, yeah, you lying motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but it made me happy because she still tried. She just forgot. It wasn't a big deal. But then uh, the the second time I was at the Bullet, I'd gone in there um, because Atomic Pop was was closing, and obviously I need and I needed to go set up pools at a new store, and that was the only other store. That, well, I wouldn't count Wizard Asylum at the time as a, as a store. They were a little iffy on comics yeah, back it, then. I don't know how they are now. It was all D and D. The one in Tulsa is pretty good. It was all D and D and magic, but I wasn't into that, so I didn't care. Like, so it wasn't nothing yeah. to me. So it was great for those guys. I mean, like, I heard a lot of great things. But um, I go in, I buy like one comic book, and I leave. Uh, ask to set up some pools, and I come back like a month later, <clears throat> and I'm going around looking, you know, picking some stuff I needed. And uh, Dan comes up to me. He's like, "Hey." You dropped this last time you were here. And he hands me a $20 bill. Yeah. And I was like, I dropped this? He's like, yeah. You were the only person in the store for like three hours. I found it on the floor. It had to have been yours. Here you go. And I was like, well, shit, I'm going to spend this right now. <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it was just so nice of him. He, he li- He's like, he literally kept that $20 bill underneath the tray 
waiting for my ass. That's super nice. And yeah, Dan. Go, Dan. Oh man, I loved working with Dan. I loved working there at the same time as Dan. I loved working in the same store as Dan. Uh, I just, I just have really only the nicest things to say about anybody that that works in that store. Matt and Annette, who own it and run it, and I love Matt's parents, who I've used to say. You know, I mean, I kind of hang out with with Dan and Linda would come in and get Archie books and. The girls are all grown up. Yeah, man. I remember when Rachel was a was a a baby, and uh, they're like seventeen, eighteen. They're all now. teenagers yeah. now. Yeah, and uh, they're always uh, I saw them repping the uh, Norman uh, Chocolate Fest uh, last. Oh, last week. I know. Yeah. I love seeing the Facebook posts yeah. from the fam there. Yeah, the great family. Matt has always been one of the biggest sweethearts. I've told the story in the show before when I first moved here to the Springs when he. I posted, like, hey, I live in the Springs now. And he's like, uh, you need to go to Muse Comic Books, and that should be your comic book store. That's, yes, yeah, it's crazy, because, yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm shocked that that's how it all panned out. Yeah, because we used to have uh, Amanda in the, in the store on and off for one reason or another. Yeah, Amanda running Muse, and now she's married to George, and George and Amanda are stand-up citizens and true friends. Uh, just to put it true friends-wise, you know when you, when you, because I've had pulls at, pulls at multiple stores, and, like, you get your pulls, and all of a sudden there's, like, a couple books in there you didn't ask for. Uh, yeah, 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 it, yeah, my guy. It happens, uh, yeah. it happens. Well, um... Mark and Darren do that with me now and again. They're like, we figure you probably want something Cosmic Marvel or definitely Star Trek yeah. related. Yeah, 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 totally read that. Well, uh, well, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, they, they usually have good ideas. Uh, but at the same time, though, I don't like, I don't like salesmen, um... But at the same time, though, when the only time that ever happened at Muse was um, they had like this thing where on Wednesdays, uh, people that made comics, that's how I met Gunther, actually. Gunther would have a comic book creation class for four hours with like kids and their parents. Yeah. And then he would stay, and then all the people that were actually making comics in, in town would stay for the after thing. It was like five, six o'clock, and. Uh, they would, uh, Amanda and George would buy us pizza, and there'd be like six, seven, or ten of us sitting there working on our actual comic books. And Gunther would give us some pointers, but we'd all just sit around and bullshit and, and just work on our comics. And um, uh, one day, uh, the there was this dude that worked there, his uh, boyfriend at the time was reading a new Becky Cloonan book and uh -huh. it was this hard, oh, it yeah. was this hardbound yeah. little thing, and I was like, what is that? And, uh, Jordan's like, don't worry, George ordered one for you. And I was like, oh, thank God. I didn't even know it existed. It was this hardbound little thing of her medieval comics, her self-published books like Wolves and that sort of thing, all mm -hmm. in this beautiful hardbound volume. And um, it wasn't that they wanted to sell it to me. They knew that if Clunin was involved in any of anything, that I had to have it. So they made sure I had it, and it was waiting for me. They knew I was... They didn't get it because they wanted to sell it to me. They they, yeah. they got it because he knew, George knew that... Um, yeah. Um, I couldn't live without it. But we have, let's, let's get to the list. Let's get to the list. <laughs> uh, my favorite this week... Uh, I'm calling... Uh, tell me when we get to your favorite... Because we really gotta, we, we always forget to. Oh, I got we, it. Yeah. We always forget to talk about our, our comic of the week. My personal comic of the week was Flash number eighty-seven. 
Um, then we've got Farmhand number 13, The Weatherman Volume 2 number 6, Justice League number 39, Curse Words number 25, which is from a month ago, by the way. I finally got my hands on it. Uh, Star, Wars, oh. Star Wars number 2, Thor number 2, Captain Marvel, and Doctor Strange, The End. Number one, those are two. Not, that's two books. Two books. Not two books. Like, two books. It's not a dual title, yeah. everybody. Two books. Uh, there was a Deadpool at the end. I got halfway through it and it was crap. Um, <laughs> Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme <clears throat> number two, Jessica Jones number two, and Daily Bugle number two. Uh, that like what a bunch of number twos. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, shit. I shouldn't have said that. Uh, we were going to talk about X Men because I talked about X Men about as long as I would have just talking about the new ones. But uh, even then... That's fine. We got past it then. Well, t- tell me about the Day of the Bugle. I, 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 I didn't even see oh, that. Oh, man, yeah. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Um, let me find my my, my uh, contents here. The um, Or not the contents, the, uh, the credits page. Uh, that's one of these that they had it in the back. Uh, it is a Matt Johnson plot and script. I can't... I, I'm not going to say that. Uh... Matt Chater did. It's funny because they've taken the credits for the. Uh, uh, they've taken the credits and they've changed them to uh, be an amalgamation of what they would be in a newspaper. So Matt Chater is uh, layouts and finishes. Uh, Francesco is Francesco Mobili is also layouts and finishes. Basically, we're talking about a book that had to had a couple of artists doing multiple different pages. So I don't know why they did that. I don't know what was going on there. I, I thought it was pretty seamless. I was reading it for what it was rather than like really examining the art because uh, I felt like the cover. Yeah, there it is. Cover was Mark Bagley. Um, which I was like, oh, wow, it's nice to see that. I had this moment when I was looking at the cover, and I was like, why is Mark Bagley working on anything? I don't know what went through my mind, this random thought of, like, I thought he was just done. I thought he was done with Spider-Man. I thought he was just done. And then it occurred to me, I'm like, no, dude, you're not thinking about Ultimate. Uh, And then, uh, (coughs) excuse me, VC's Joe Caramagna doing uh, doing the lettering. Um... This was pretty cute. Uh, you, 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 it starts out, it's the Daily Bugle, and you've got, like, the first page is really nice where it's showing you the construction of the building and then how the building has changed externally from one year to the next and what they were calling it in all these different time periods. And it begs the question, should I go back and look at my 70s and 60s and 80s era comics and see how the daily bugle is represented physically as a building i don't know if they paid attention to that but it gives me hope that they actually did do that stylistically um to pay homage to how long this uh site has been in existence in in all of marvel comics and it's kind of funny i mean it's like it's not the pentagon but it's something that if you read any Marvel comics, you're going to encounter the Daily Bugle. Don't, doesn't matter what title you're reading. Somehow or another, you're going to hear about it. But um, I don't know what's going on in Spider-Man right now that uh, he would be, that Peter Parker would be showing up at the Daily Bugle and becoming a freelance photo journalist again. But 
At the beginning of this, you've guys, got, if you can hear uh, the background noise, we are backstage right now at one of the hottest new shows here in Colorado. What's the name of the show again? This is Colorado United Colorado, 3. Colorado United 3. And the whole concept, uh, a little bit of controversy how it was set up, but that's okay because all that matters is the boys are getting over, which is what makes me happy. That's the reason I'm here. See a kick ass show. You were telling me before we started recording. Uh, this is basically where you started. So it's like being. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically, um, I had started in uh, the professional wrestling world in uh, 2001, believe it or not, and I was just barely. They're generating was like, new interest in the scene. That's a, 14, that's a, 15, so that's somewhere idea. in that age. And uh, I love it. too young to probably be training. Like uh, but there was a, a school in Colorado that uh, what, took me on to for a couple of months, but I was basically there, kind of a punching bag back then. Which one? Uh, it was called XTC Pro Wrestling, so Extreme and Total Chaos. Uh, and it, it didn't last, uh, I came in in the latter part of it, uh, and so it didn't really last uh, that much longer uh, before it went defunct. Um, and uh, they had recommended that I go to RMCW training uh, center there in uh, Westminster, Colorado, and I, I tried that uh, once or twice, but I think at that point I was uh, a little too young at that age, uh, you know, 14, 15, I was more of a kind of a punching bag, so I, I stepped away from it and came back uh, in uh, 2003 with Jason, uh, 17, and he was 18, uh, and uh, for any of those who had listened to uh, Jason's interview, uh, of course we have a lot of parallels together because of the fact that uh, we uh, were friends in high school that both had this great passion for professional wrestling and we were going to stop at nothing uh, to get into the business so we got in together uh, by any and all merits uh, possible even with little to no uh, income coming in. I appreciate that. Do you have a lot of trouble wrestling at that age just being able to get into the show because of insurance wise? For for the most part a lot of people were able to turn a blind eye to it because uh, even when we were 17, uh, Jason and I would be tagging up and they would do a lot of bar shows and uh, they were like, ah, you know, as long as you guys, you know, don't ask, don't tell, like, oh, you guys are just part of the talent. So uh, really, we never really were affected by any of those kind of situations. Um, yeah, it, it never really crossed our paths, uh, the age. I, I would say the biggest thing is just being... It's the content. You know, go overlooked there. or kind of uh, uh, shot on or beat um, up on a little I'm bit, sorry, uh, taken advantage of in, in the wrestling business when you're that young. Yeah, like being like so a this sort of yeah. son and you get some crappy yeah. uh, record His deal and you get completely shit on you at one cent per CD. Yeah. Apparently, but they didn't have to write a pass, though, right? Exactly. You know, when when you look back on it, I, I think that we are probably the last of a dying breed that came into the uh, business that way because nowadays uh, there's so many people, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Superhuman, you know, if anybody knows, he's like a viral sensation uh, just by simply jumping off, you know, jumping himself off of tables and things like that into into various objects. And, uh, you know, he's, he's obviously getting getting you know more bookings than a lot of the people who have been trained and stuff like that so it's a different it's a different environment now he's not you know he doesn't see the same he, you know I don't know if he's been to a training school I don't know really much about him but it's just, it's a lot of the uh, the last of the dying breed as I said of bringing us in kind of the hard way how, uh, how much do you guys trust someone that doesn't totally as much as you appreciate 
what they've got going is, on. Is that something you pay attention to? Oh, absolutely. I, I think that it's, there it if you're going to be smart in this business and if you want longevity in this business, then that is something that you have to be very aware of. Uh, and if you are a ring general, uh, you have to know uh, when you are in the ring, if you get thrown into a situation, because uh, with these independent events, you never know uh, really who's going to be standing in the ring across from you, especially I, I get booked all the time, get flown into places I've never been. Uh, you know, I've been in shows that I don't know anybody. And uh, so I don't know necessarily who they have put across the ring from me, how long they've been trained and things like that. Those are all questions that are good to ask uh, in the, you know, the, uh, you know, the backstage area before you uh, get ready to perform. But you gotta, you just got to be careful and you got to protect yourself in this business. So I try to stray away from things like that. But if I am ever in a match where I, I could tell that the guy is uh, extremely green, uh, thankfully, again, being kind of the last of a dying breed who went through uh, the training that we did, uh, there's obviously ways to uh, take care of that person and take care of yourself in the process. That's one of my favorite things about indie wrestling. Uh, and what really helps me in regards to figuring out if someone should be paid attention to is how they shine someone up in the ring, whether or not that they're green or, or new or just having an off night, is whether or not you... Because you can tell right off the bat whether, depending on how long you've been watching pro wrestling, uh, if someone's about to have, is starting to have an off night and then you see someone else that... Uh, yeah, you can stomp them, you can make them look like dirt, but that makes you look like dirt. Right. Making them look, Honestly, shining like, them up, it, like getting and, and it, it, makes, it makes you a good brother. It I makes me, if I was a booker, be like, I want that guy all the time now. Yeah. You told me earlier that you are uh, Orlando-based. Now, is it, we got to tell Yes, I am the Reverend of Sin. I am the preacher to the creatures. I am Ryzen. I was Rob Ryzen. Uh, in my upbringing here in Colorado, so uh, Rob Ryzen is uh, how I'm, you know, most identified out here. Uh, but yeah, since uh, taking on the the devilish moniker that I have uh, undertaken, uh, no pun intended, that uh, now as the Reverend of Sin, I, I have dropped the Rob, uh, a la Prince or Madonna, things like that. So I'm just Ryzen. How, how is how is that sort of a gimmick and that sort of alter ego? You, you gotta think, uh, and I don't taken know, when it comes to when you're going to like here, Colorado, everyone's pretty open-minded, uh, as opposed to like. If you're wrestling like in Utah, <laughs> how does that go over? Well, uh, you know, again, I think a lot of people come into the into wrestling events now knowing that uh, a lot of it is a show. Uh, you know, I do have my religious beliefs outside of uh, professional wrestling, and they do fall on the you know on the side of uh, atheism or Satanism or any of those kind of things. But uh, you know, I don't when, when I'm outside of this and uh, I'm talking to the general population, you would never know none the wiser whether. You know, it's not that I'm touting from rooftops, uh, throwing my pitchfork in the air, like, hail Satan, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, so in that realm, uh, there's there's not too much difference between my my normal life and my professional life. But uh, of course, this is the the volume cranked way up to ten and putting the yeah, and it's uh, so the Reverend of Sin, the the Satanic preacher, is uh, obviously a, a very exaggerated, very um, almost a fairy tale version of what that would be, uh, or a Scooby Doo villain is what I uh, also equate myself to a lot. That, that's a difficult subject to talk about. I really appreciate you sharing this because I share a lot of the same values, the, the same beliefs. Like, if anyone would really want to categorize it and put me in something that you say of more of Wiccan, but it's more of like what I really practice is self control. <laughs> and, and when it boils down to it, I, I, the reason why I, why I asked you this is because when I walk in a room sometimes, whether if I'm in a suit or wearing 
in Blackcraft like I am right um, now, people I can was, smell it on I, you. Like, like <laughs> they, they can tell, and it, it, I mean, it, it starts, you get treated a little bit different. It starts right away. It makes me always laugh because I'm the one that's probably out of all these people in the room that would go get you three in the morning if something happened. And from what I've heard about you and how. And Jason loves it. Yeah, that you also would have that sort of like mentality to take care of people as well. Absolutely, and uh, and that's just again, you're going to have some of the the different people. Uh, I'm not quite to the uh, the adulation of fame or anything like that, where it would be an issue, but. Um, you know, I am literally the the most positive person I know. I I, I bleed positivity. I I have a very uh, motivational mindset. I uh, believe in um, just making sure that everybody gets um, you know going to the the religion aspect of it. Uh, all Satanism is is it has nothing to do with worshiping the devil. For those who don't know, but it's it's about being your own god. And uh, and I preach that to you know to everybody in that aspect. Is, uh, uh, you know, know whether you believe in God or not, I that's, that, that doesn't uh, bother me one way or the other. I, I love any and all uh, different styles of people, and I'm very open-minded in that. But if they, uh, I do tell people, you know, you have all the power in the world within yourself. You don't need prayers and things of that nature to to do everything uh, that you want to do. You can be anything you want to be, and uh, and. I guess I literally have no my mindset um, was different than yours when yeah, I no twists. I I'm not the you know. There's no negative bone in my body. If he's Thor, uh, the last time I was in Colorado, Black just a few short weeks ago, I was actually doing an anti-bullying rally father, uh, for kids uh, youth wrestling team. Um, and again, uh, from an aesthetic from an aesthetic yeah, standpoint, agree. somebody might look at that and go, "What the heck? This is like the reverend of sin, and you're having them do an anti-bullying." But uh, it was actually well attended. There was like 70, 75 people, at, uh, both parents and kids, of course, uh, alike, that attended this, and uh, everybody shook their hands afterwards. And like, wow, what a what a great story! Uh, what a crazy upbringing you had, and, um, and thank you for uh, spreading that wealth of uh, knowledge as far as uh, being a good person. And Believe the peon. People don't understand how hard it is to keep that given powers to. You can't just be positive all the time. You have to focus on the walk of life. You really got to make sure to manage your demons. And that's awesome of you because that's even then I would come from my thought of him as hungry and tired. I try to always be positive. I don't. always he needs like one other world of it. I stumble. But that's something I'm always like 100% concentrated on. The last time he saw me was a good memory. And second thing off in regards. Kind of you're saying is, uh, it'd be interesting if people uh, had act, uh, well, if everyone had actually taken a look at Anton LaVey's actual commandments mm-hmm. they just make sense oh yeah they, they just make sense like no uh, no unwarranted sexual advances <laughs> yeah especially not, uh, especially in today with me too that, those kind of things <laughs> yeah exactly but, yeah and I mean yeah it, all the the eleven uh, satanic principles, uh, and I mean, some, uh, they, now there is the uh, the satanic temple, like, which is uh, actually a uh, a religion that is uh, it's recognized by the government. They don't really follow the Anton Lavey, uh, the satanic before. Bible, but uh, definitely, uh, even though his his ways now, because of being in the '60s, are a little dated. Uh, everything he said in that is what they you know pretty like spot on, and, uh, and I definitely. Uh, I have a satanic Bible. Yeah, I read it. 
I, I have you know, followed damage. a lot of his teachings. Shoots and again, uh, all, all religion is um, open for interpretation. There's no right answer with it. It's just uh, whatever you're going to have a spiritual connection with. And what fit, what style yeah, fits your clothes can you? As long as you get to the right point, we're all trying to get to the same place. Just taking a different course, whether you're in all black or you're or you're in all white, it doesn't matter. It matters just being a good person. I really appreciate you sharing that with me because that is not uh, a comfortable thing to talk about. Right. I interviewed Des Foffer one time. It was one of my first big interviews when Devil's Driver just started. And uh, I was in his I was in his uh, trailer. Um, he smoked us out. Uh, he gave us a little bit of his Spadina wine. It's rose flavored. It's delicious. It's like fifty dollars, but it tastes like rose. And, uh, I brought up the fact that uh, I noticed that all the lyrics are. I think they're spells, man. He he went from like uh huh uh huh to. Thor yeah. has not <laughs> and uh, it, like but okay but not trained enough to talk about this writing uh, yeah uh, you know and that's and that's a crazy thing too is uh you know not to you just had said something in uh, in saying that uh, a lot of people would be shocked to know um, I mean I guess if you knew me uh, it's not that shocking but I'm completely straight edge it's not something that I do as far as like uh, I don't preach it again it's not something again everybody has their own demons their own vices uh, they, they do what they do um, and I and I do not judge I think one of the biggest things is uh, with certain religions uh, they're very judgy and I, I come in with such an open mind and an open perspective on everybody and uh, I was actually just talking about this uh, the other day having a long drawn out conversation about it is, uh, no matter what it is whether it's your sexuality or your vices any of that if you have an open mind and an open perspective on it uh, uh, and if you don't judge them um, it's, it's just it's you're, you're going to have a better value of life and uh, you're going to value that person more as well um, so you know not to kind of change subjects or change winds on what you were just saying but and that just kind of had reminded me of that it, too especially because I think a lot of people when they think of gothic or they think of demonic or satanism or wiccan or anything they also kind of try to tie that kind of stuff in there as well which it's it's all again it's a mixed bag no matter who you are or what your faith is I agree completely I had someone at work the other day ask me why I have like pentagrams on some of my clothes and I'm like it protects me like how would that protect you like it's really really simple actually the people that are worth the shit that value people no matter what they believe in will come and talk to me will have the guts to come and talk to me and be my friend and realize that I have nothing to harm anyone and, um, uh, and then let, let, we got to move on there because uh, we're, there's definitely your wild. We got the call coming up because there's of, for the meeting. Awesome. However, uh, how does that there's affect your monkey the locker room? You've you got, got everything planned I out. Walked into some toxic locker rooms before. And to be I'm honest, I, like I, you know, it probably sounds like crazy, but I haven't. I don't, uh, I think it's just, I have an aura about me, or I, I, I have a manifest, like, I manifest everything that I feel like I deserve. I believe in the universal laws of attraction and stuff like that, so I attract everything so to myself. I, I really don't have toxic people that come That's to me, um, I avoid toxicity to the, you know, to the cellular level. Uh, so really, any any room I actually walk into, I brighten it up, uh, believe it or not. Uh, it's, it, you know, if, if you want to look at uh, Lucifer as being the, uh, you know, he's the angel of light, uh, maybe that's more, even though I, I play this dark, brooding, satanic uh, creature, I really am a beacon of light no matter where I go. And so, uh, 
I can't say that I've had any sort of toxic uh, okay, environment. Well, I um, and I even have a, a pentagram uh, tatted on my inner bicep, a big one. And great. You know, really, whether it's my professional life outside of this, even in my work life and stuff like that. Call me being in a bubble of some sort, but I really don't have anybody that, you know, I'm very well in a, in a professional environment as well, suit and tie and everything like that. And again, it's just, it's never been a point of contention in my life. I do pride myself it's all out to judge people in regards to their... Because it's a ridiculous situation. From what I saw online and meeting you for the first time and talking to you right now, it all matched up. But like, like, what it boils down to, this guy's on the level. And it's nice to understand that with someone that you can't just tell a regular person that sort of thing. Like, like when you meet them and like you get that heavy feeling, or or you find you meet someone like, man, it is generally nice to meet you. And like, you didn't say that, but you did with your eyes and your handshake. And the way everyone was happy to see you. That's what I'm looking for. And I. I really hope that sort of attitude really keeps pushing you further and further. I mean, if you're getting booked and booked and booked, it's not, it's, it's because you're a great person, because you're good in the ring, and you've got a great gimmick, and also you're available. I mean, like, you're in Orlando based, and now you're here at uh, a show that just kind of mushroomed up out of nowhere from um, a little, little to no, like, credibility. Uh, uh, advance notice, like right. I say, just like, kind of like, yeah, popped up out of nowhere. And, and it, it's, it's good to see yeah. you. Okay, now, so when it comes like down to it, where do you want to go with your career? Because you've got the power. Yes. Where, what are you trying to manifest in terms of your career? But uh, you I don't want to see any more silly. Everything movies. that I have done like uh, has nice. all been uh, for manifestation. Uh, it, it is where I am exactly serious. where I need I mean, to be at this time. Uh, you know, so with Colorado and Colorado and Wrestling, I was here two weeks ago for New Era as well. Really uh, for Jason, actually, he, he had a, yeah, it was a send off here in Colorado, and uh, I was uh, honored that he that he wanted to have that match with me. Um, him and I have had a million matches against one another, so it, it only seemed right. And that's not to say that that was only the closing of his chapter here in Colorado. That's not to say that now that he'll be closer with me in Florida, that we're not going to travel up and down and tell those stories uh, across the East Coast. Um, but as far as I go, uh, I've been, I was a Colorado wrestler uh, all the way up until about six, uh, six years ago when I decided to make the plunge and move to Orlando. Uh, I did it on the advice of William Regal, who just simply it said, hey, if you, if you want something in this business, if you want to actually make something of yourself, you, you've got a lot of tools here, you're going to have to go somewhere else. And so when the Performance Center popped up, I said Orlando's where I want to be. I, I really can't stand the cold. Uh, maybe that's why I'm so drawn to hell. <laughs> but no, really, uh, you know, yes, record highs in hell. Um, but, uh, but basically, I, I was like, Florida had always been in my vision. Orlando, I wanted to live there. It was calling me. And and so I went there, uh, we you know, say, just well, to I make a long story short, uh, since moving there, I had had uh, eight matches on WWE NXT TV, even though I'm not a contracted talent with them. I wrestled for Impact. I'm the only guy who could say I've wrestled Drew Galloway on a live taping of Impact and wrestled Drew McIntyre, the same guy, on NXT, literally weeks later. Uh, he had, I was like on his last taping at Impact before he made the move. Uh, and so, again, just the way that the universal laws fell, I, I walked in, he was like, hey, man, maybe we'll do business again. And then we looked at the run sheet, and he was like, why not tonight? This is happening. And uh, so, you know, it's things like that. I have I had a long story career here. I've wrestled some of the best names in the business. Uh, I wrestled Matt Hardy here in probably my most famous 
Colorado match in a ladder match uh, for Primo's Wrestling down in Denver. Um, And that was in 2013, November of 2013. And uh, for those who are really following the trajectory of my career currently, I've uh, actually filmed a series with Matt Hardy called Free the Delete. And uh, yeah, uh, so far it's on its eighth episode. It just dropped yesterday, and I'm in episode four, five, and six. And if anybody knows anything about Matt Hardy, he has those deletion matches. And uh, he made it famous with Bray Wyatt and Crazy Steve, and the uh, you know he made a really big impact against Jeff. And uh, I actually am in the Woken deletion one on one. And uh, so that's been you know so that's been a, a huge blessing, so to speak, if you want to use that term. Um, so that's been that's been huge for us as well, and uh, we'll see where that takes me. I beat him in the Woken deletion. Spoiler alert! Uh, I do want you guys to all go back and uh, and watch those eight episodes. But again, that's just that's just something. There you go, perfect. And that's just something that uh, you know who would have ever thought? Um, you know, having posters of the Hardys on the wall and hanging out with Jason, we were high risk. We emulated the Hardy Boys. They called us the Hardly Boys. I know he said that in the uh, in his uh, podcast. And now I. I wrestled I wrestled Matt in a ladder match in Colorado like that's the icing on the cake out here a few months later I moved to Florida wrestled in NXT wrestled in Impact I've done uh, I've done a lot in the business and this year I I, I feel this this uh, this calling if that's what we want to call it that something's coming something's coming I, I could feel the ground shake underneath me uh, so you know what that is I don't know um, you know there's a lot of if you actually even put my name in uh, YouTube there's actually a lot of speculation videos that have recently come out um, and all based upon the Easter eggs and stuff the hints that they see in the free the deletion videos so again where where the career path goes from Matt Hardy is uh, to be continued and where I fall into that category is also to be continued so you're not telling me something I'm not not telling you something either Uh, yeah so I mean who knows uh, where where the career will go um, but I've been uh, very blessed beyond belief uh, I'm, my wrestling career is at an all time high the the wrestling that I do in Orlando uh, I'm, I'm just on another level I'm, I uh, have wrestled Recently, I wrestled Gangrel. I have a match with Shannon Moore coming up at USA Pro Wrestling in Orlando, Florida. Is that who you primarily work for? Yes, USA Pro Wrestling is my uh, my home hub. Um, and then there's a, one that we've just inked a deal where I'll, I'll be doing uh, shows with ARW, Atomic Revolution Wrestling, um, and that's going to be in Cocoa, Florida. So those will be my two kind of main uh, home companies. And, you know, every other week I'm in a different state. But, uh, and you get to um, and you can find all, all those dates on Ryzen.tv. Uh, so I I have my longtime girlfriend. You might as well call her my wife. We just don't. Uh, we're not going to have a piece of paper dictate whether we're married or not. But uh, we've been together seven years. She made the move to. I met her in Colorado. Told her obviously uh, my grand plan of moving to Orlando. And uh, and yeah, she's been you know my ride or die ever since. Uh, so yeah, absolutely have that. No kids. Uh, no future kids. Uh, ever. I. I <laughs> Uh, don't have any plan for that. And um, is that because you're more career based? Is just not in the not in the card street. A little bit of both. I you know I'm I'm great with 
kids, as we alluded to earlier with the anti-bullying stuff, uh, kids just gravitate to me. I, I love being a positive role model for those kids. Um, but I also I, I enjoy the freedoms of my of my life, and I enjoy being able to uh, take trips as needed. And I, I don't want to have that burden of uh, being on the road so much in the professional wrestling world and uh, not being there for my kids' first walk or being there for the first baseball game or whatever. Right. Yeah, that's, that's definitely important. I would never want to miss that because, like, honestly, we used to celebrate being single and there's not much successful. To it other than uh, that. But I mean, like, everyone but me's dropped off and had kids and got married. <laughs> but that's okay. That, that's that's their path. I I, I simply wouldn't want to do the same there's thing. There's a as big difference between being held. I wouldn't want anyone to think that I, they were holding me back, especially like my family or anything like that. And there's watch. There's too much to see out there, man. Like you know, I'll cry every time I hear Freebird. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's not gonna change. You were watching a Marvel Let's let's hit pause. If you want, you want to check and see if it's time for the meeting. It is. This is not meant for non-true believers. Uh, you really yeah. have I mean, to we be definitely fully can. immersed. Well, yeah, I just don't. I don't want to keep you from anything because uh, I mean, the, yeah, he said. Uh, he said if I go a few minutes over, he would be okay. So. Alderon, pages twelve to twenty-one. Uh, for Art, Alejandro Sanchez. Are people I, congregating? Yeah, that's, I just didn't want you to feel like I was I keeping you No, I was just glancing down. I mean, it's not even quite 45 yet. But. Yeah, and I can edit all this out. Don't worry. Yeah, no worries. Uh, but yeah, uh, okay, so. Yeah, let's just go a few minutes more. If he, I think he'll give me some sort of signal. Who did you say did the colors? All right, but. How was WWE? Covers. Like, honestly, uh, Tyler, I hear a lot of um, bad things and I hear a lot of good things. Uh, tell me the good things. I want to know okay. the good things about the, the, the development. Oh, wait, because wait, is I hear they break you down. They, yeah. pull, they don't company. give a shit about who okay, you were, gotcha. yeah. where you came from. Well, it's turning into a whole thing. Um, not that that's a bad yeah, thing. Yeah, you know, I, I think everybody has their own their own stories when it comes to the WWE. And uh, they have their own path. I had a, I did those eight appearances with NXT. And those are just television televised appearances. I've done probably 20 uh, extra, you know, as an extra talent uh, where I'm not even utilized. They show up and they say, you know, uh, not tonight. We don't have anything in the cards for you. Uh, some of the benefit of having my crazy, spiky red hair and the fact that I jump off of a... Uh, yeah, I jump off of the page is that they can never throw me in a security shirt uh, and say, oh, you're security tonight. Uh, literally, one of the times I was in, they tried it, uh, Triple H, uh, of course, who oversees NXT, was like, you know, we, we just can't have that guy in the red hair, so replace him, you know, and uh, get him out of there, because I just, uh, I, and maybe that's part of the aura, too, you know, not only, I, I don't want to just say it's the hair, but, um, but I'm, I love the environment. I, you know, I haven't. I've done a lot of NXT or WWE and extra work where I'm kind of a fly on the wall there. Um, so, and I've never been entrenched in the WWE, but NXT has definitely got a, a winning formula. Um, and uh, and it's it's a very you know family fun environment backstage. Everybody's family. It's very much like like the independence, only on a, 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 a much more professional level. You have your your times to abide by. You have your coaches. You have people to, to bounce things off of. And I love the coaches. I can't say enough. Uh, good things about Reno, Regal, Norman, yes. Um, but, uh, and I haven't met, yeah, I haven't done too much with Norman Smiley, primarily, uh, you know, um, Robbie Brookside, Regal, um, Carino, uh, those are kind of my, kind of my go-to. Um, and then the, uh, Ryan Katz is the, he's, he's like a producer over there, and him and I are, are quite close, or have been close over the years. Um, but yeah, I've been backstage for AEW, uh, you know, too, as well. And uh, that's been very good, too. I think 
they're young and hungry, and you can see that in everybody. Uh, it's, a, it's they're they're out to prove a point, and you could definitely see that, and you could feel that when you get back there. Uh, already very professionally well done. Uh, you know, I've done impact as well as I said. I've done that multiple times. So this is a I've I've had my hand in every cookie jar. Marcio uh, favorite cookie jar part of the cover team. Uh, just all different flavors, different holidays. All different flavors. Uh, you know, I really like the vibe I had uh, most recently with AEW. Not to, you know, and, like they just. Uh, Carlos Lau is the they're so creative. They, they um, just have this excitement <laughs> that they're just. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just waiting right to continue to unleash. Um, and they, they're young and they're hungry and they're, they, they're out to prove a point, so they have a chip and on their shoulder. But backstage, it, it's not. We start out. There's not, after, at least that I saw, there wasn't any sort of back, uh, backstabbing or politicking. Right. It's, everybody's hungry. They're all she in it for one big goal, and that is to be the best they can be and be the big number two or whatever the case, uh, and, and aim for that number one spot and eventually. Very quickly, you know, they, it becomes a very, very, it was the most tasty cookie as of late. Who did you interact with? My hero friends. Funny, like, uh, when, I, when I got there, uh, again, I, I also believe the wrestling business is not is a lot about not what you know, but who you know and who you cross paths with in the business. And I think that that's, that's universal for everything. Uh, so when I got there, uh, I've actually wrestled Jerry Lynn here in Colorado. And he's a uh, he's one of the uh, I don't want to call him a coach. He's one of the uh, producers uh, for matches back there. So I was able to sit down and have dinner with him. Uh, I wrestled Kazarian in Canada uh, in a ladder match as well. Yeah, wonderful human being. And him and I have always just connected. uh, Whether it's our our music tastes or just we just click. Uh, So sitting down with him and SCU. uh, But really, there again, there was no there was uh, not to drop a bunch of names, but everybody. There was very, uh, very personal, very kind. Uh, all the way from she uh, probably you know some of the other extra talents that were there, all the way up into Tony Khan. Okay, cool, you got it. Oh, you met Khan too. Let's just quit. No, I didn't. No, yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, brief, brief interaction, but again, just shaking his hand and chatting with him for a minute. It's got that. It's got that energy. I really hope they don't lose the momentum because the people that are like, I just don't get. Being married like to Luke Cage which I hope doesn't and happen. not taking him everywhere with you. Now, you get any good road stories for me? Get the Say that one more time. Go you get any good road stories for me? That's a trope, but she's oh, always got a problem um, with any sort of team teammates and let me think. her partner. Uh, yeah, like it's, it's it, honestly, well, like, the, it's I have a terrible road like story that's like... That. Uh, life-ending road story kind of thing, almost. Uh, and then I have at least trust uh, just I was able to travel up and down the road uh, okay. in Canada with Jake the Snake, uh, which is a story within itself. That's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, he he is literally there's there's not a serious bone in his body. I don't think he is always joking. He is always on. Uh, so just hearing his stories and uh, him, you know, pulling pranks and just all that. That was a great you know just a great time to be on the road. I have so many stories. It would it would take a whole different podcast like, uh, to just do road stories with Ryzen. Like, maybe I'd have to write like, them out. Um, but uh, whether it's Caleb Crush, which is a Colorado no, wrestler here, taking pictures shirtless with goats on the side of the road. Uh, you know, awesome. or just, just there's so many different things. Um, 
that well, I can't just pick one, but the, the one that I would say is the scariest was, uh, you know, a bunch of us were traveling here, a bunch of Colorado talent were traveling back from Canada, uh, and we were driving, and we were in a very near-fatal uh, semi-truck accident that almost took the lives of Jason, myself, uh, Holly B., who's uh, no longer wrestling, and uh, Tony Morales, who, uh, you know, wrestles quite a bit in Colorado. You know, and it's just like, um, we were all in a car and uh, ground blizzard blew up, and uh, we couldn't see it from of us She's at all. in a bunch of trouble. Uh, we had stopped, but the cars behind us, trying, uh, we were stopped on the highway. Uh, semi was in front of us. Like, and we no, could, you know, they were stopped, we were stopped. Sure we could not see in front of us. And then before we knew it, we got smashed from the back. The trunk flew open. All of our gear started flying out of the trunk. It was like a freaking 28 mile an hour. At a certain point. I can't remember now. I mean, it was negative 28. That's where I get in the 28. But it was like Hurricane Force Whip. Alone. Just right there in Canada. And so it was blowing our gear out of the trunk. So they had Morales and I, we were front passenger, rear passenger. We were like, we're going to go out, we're going to grab our bags and try to shut the trunk. And as we stepped out, the semi came and collided with all of us. Do you ever pick up a comic and be like, oh, i got to get this because Wolverine's in it? Hell no. face, so I don't know if you saw a big scar on his cheek. Yeah. B got crushed in the back of it. Surprised he lived. And then just, you know, out of sheer luck, Morales and I had gotten out of that side, and that side was completely gone. Power Man So when we got out, we got hit. And we went flying. I just remember remember tumbling uh, in the field over Why not? Over and he, uh, he hit the, the ground and so, yeah, <laughs> she's it was a huge thing were, anyway we were in Canada for days and, and uh, the, all of us walked away I'm not going to exactly um, say usual still suspects alive. you know um, she went was, and she, was just she, insanity. Was she asked a lot Captain of, uh, Marvel for help neglect Captain Marvel helped her truck company that was great then she goes to Doctor Strange she's like what is up with this bullet very crazy do you even have anything going to your head after you get and off the ground he examines it and you're he's like looking no for your buddies not a magic or is it just uh, there's nothing just magic about it but there's something it, I, something from when I, when I pulled you. my head out so of the one snow scene, I thought everyone was dead panel uh, you know and I, I, I she's hate sitting this there podcast is like kind of taking a turn this story is so is so grim but like I looked up and I looked around and I was like oh my gosh I'm the sole survivor I looked down the snow was red from my face because I was dripping blood out of every orifice like Catholic representation very pretty looking am I dying yet um, have any broken limbs. We don't know what it means. We don't know why. Was army crawling away from the Dr. scene Strange, of the accident. Just, kind of the uh, just because I didn't know how many other cars were coming, yeah, and I no just I went into fight or flight mode, and I was like, I need to crawl problem. away because I'm there's the only one weird living. Going on with this but uh, uh, fortunately, he does this for normal people all the time. Like, why would he do it for her? We're all kind of separated, and so while she goes back to work and. The worst. And then Misty right. Knight. Uh, but we were all alive. Uh, unfortunately, the guy in the van who fun. hit us in that popped her trunk died her from the, the showing up. That's how fast and having to ask her questions. Well, they, they don't have a good relationship. And I'm sorry they that get you guys the cool Polaroid that. Did photo. Did that have any effect on uh, who you are as a person? What are you calling? Uh, enjoying day to day. We're going to call it something. Fight club wise, hit bottom. You know, I think it definitely put things into perspective. Of really good. I mean, I again, I know that I was meant to be here. There's a Cute scene to be where they both have to answer a phone like just, uh, or still, a news Even through that, I had a time. You know, that, as weird uh, as it sounds, like, alert, I was like, well, at least we're all here. I always look at the positive found like, dead. So, and I, I, uh, you no know, kidding, I was thankful like, we were all alive. And, and, uh, really? 
that, you know, that we were I was able like, to go I and, was shocked. Uh, he had, uh, I took a picture of it and I sent it to you right away. He was reading this while I was. So all he could think about was getting back to her. So again, very fortunate, and we were coming off of this high in Canada where Sid and I actually reached high risk. I don't like teams against D.H. Smith and Mark Merrick, which D.H. Smith is British Bulldog's son, and Bret Hart managed them. Wow. And like, so what? Again, all these opportunities that I've had, what it really boils down to is. If you guys life, like Buffy, uh, to kind of have why that, uh, kind of mess like, up that? Is it just over amazing the idea that there's part of my life? Like um, monster again, hunters it was, it, and vampire slayers and stuff like that. Just the fact like, that we lived. Like um, it, it ended up <coughs> there should be an ongoing Blade series, just a perspective of how important life is. Bloodstone series, and like if you weren't wrestling, was like, there a plan B? These I've never had a plan B. Uh, so even just, when I was a kid, my grandma actually had tested me when I was right five. And, uh, uh, even at a young age, uh, but, like, she kept all of my paperwork, the funny uh, business like, school here activities and calls, stuff. So like, uh, even in kindergarten, Kate I said uh, there's, she had a picture of me, I drew a stick figure. So I wanted to be a WWE wrestler. And I had the belt hanging. This whole like round robin trying to get some And she kept that. So they can figure out because now to this day, I have these young stored away. So really, I've never had a plan B. It was Thankfully, a second with my, you know, my sharp mind and my week, sharp wit, like I the made Daily natural, Bugle and I think then you should always have a professional back, backup plan. I never went formally to school or anything. I, you know, I was a high school dropout really and got my GED immediately. I literally left high school, went straight but, um, to the GED office, took my GED test it, because of the, the smarts were there. Uh, I just, and that's a whole other podcast for a whole other time. time. So, uh, you know, I didn't. You know, and, uh, my you know, my really dad passed away when I was 15, so I was kind of living uh, on my own. Again, a whole long story that we could uh, from, always get into uh, some other time. But uh, so I walked away from so, school, went in, right into I don't know work what's life. Going on. Um, but uh, again, doing odd they jobs and stuff like that. I, I found so my professional calling in sales. I'm naturally great at sales, promotion, marketing. And so that's where I I thrive professionally outside of professional wrestling. And it's nice to know they kind of marry with one another. You have to be a good promoter and a good marketer what in order to be successful in wrestling as well. Brand. Exactly. It's all about your brand. And so, uh, it, it's, whether or not it's going to be good or sales it's manager be no, 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 because if I had uh, that software. problem, I wouldn't be reading And it's about telling, right you know, the consumer <laughs> uh, Yeah, you're reading all the experts. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's and, uh, just so more of like, okay, so... It's the old Barnum, you know, Pinky Barnum thing. I love I love everything about Pinky Barnum and the way that he was able to sell his shows. For once, yeah. No, <laughs> she's showing now, up. Uh, how's the work life balance? Her you know, again, very good. I like just uh, the company that I work for in Orlando. Uh, everyone's very gracious mad at her. To me, uh, uh, she can't answer opportunities her phone. She's broke. And, uh, and uh, this level, it's good. This year is going to be again a very trying time. If I continue to try to balance full-time employment with everything that's going on in professional wrestling in my life, that's going to be quite a struggle. So unless a major contract comes up or something like that, where I would get that opportunity, you know, thankfully I've been able. You don't want to do it, and then um, it ends up being well, a big uh, thing. Marry the two. Oh, but uh, I mean, by the way, I, I just want to remind yeah, you, I really hate what do you want my to call mom. It? The <laughs> juggling balls, and, uh, dude, or you I know, really uh, spinning, you spinning plates. You're right. 
and that's now, uh, what's, that's why show. I feel like this is such a switch. Because, tonight? yes, like, you're uh, getting Jessica Jones like at her typical, do, uh, but you're also getting it spun on its head. Just giving off that energy. Absolutely. If anybody needs anything, I'm always open for any kind of questions, the good, the bad, the ugly, anything that they need, anything that I can advise them on, I'm more than happy to do. And and then on top of that, if they, just my positive Vibe, my positive energy always seems to influence the locker room just, uh, pretty well. We're gonna give this uh, and uh, just kind of funny side, nor, uh, side story with that. Uh, I, sometimes I go down and I wrestle in Dallas, Texas for SOAR uh, uh, Championship Wrestling, which is uh, ran by uh, Sir Mo, uh, which is uh, from Men on a Mission. And uh, one of the things that's uh, hilarious about him is, uh, you know, they have their very religious, so they all gather for prayer. And I'm always the first one to stand up and say, gather around. And allow me to get, and they're like, not that kind of prayer. You sit back down, Ryzen. But you know, again, it's all in good fun. And I, I even though that may not be my uh, religious beliefs, I have no problem grabbing hands, bowing my head, and letting them lead the prayer. And uh, again, uh, everything that they're saying in their prayer, keep us safe and everything, uh, 100%. Well, it looks like that's our cue. Yeah, I can hear the music getting louder. The, the crowd's starting to file in. Uh, might have to make a part two. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You got to go get ready, but it's an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I, I was glad that we were able to make this work on such short notice. Me too. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And if you ever need anything, yeah, let me know. Right. Yeah. Go kick some ass, man. Will but uh, you bring up an interesting point here with Bendis uh, in regards to, yeah, he's not ready anymore. So we've got some leeway to do something different. Uh, it makes me think of Scarlet. It was a book that was such oh god yes I love Scarlet Scar uh -huh. Scarlet was such a good idea and it lasted like it was like 2010 or 11 when like number 6 came out or number 9 I can't remember exactly it was it was a very small finite story and then all of a sudden like like 4 years ago uh, the next issue came out and then a year later the next issue came out it was like, it was like too good of an idea that Bendis came up with an idea and then couldn't handle it well, I think that you get a problem in you've come up with something that's totally awesome, really almost revolutionary, and then literally revolutionary later in the story. The characters are literally. fomenting a revolution. Literally. And then I believe then um it's it's edgy and it's realistic and it is oh so topical. Contemporary. When you've got the uh when you've got the um Anonymous movement? What is it called? You talking about the the hackers wearing the V for Vendetta mask? Yeah, they're not hackers. There's these rioters everywhere. Um, anonymous. Anonymous was the actual group of uh, hackers that wore the the hoodies and the V for Vendetta mask. And then you're talking about the like uh, the one percent thing that happened like eight years ago and. Dude, it's so weird that that's just kind of over enough that uh, I, I can't come up with it off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, like a lot of people use the view from Dead Mask, but like when you're talking about Scarlet in general, like you were absolutely correct. It was revolutionary. Like the, the, the last issue before they tried to restart it like four or five years ago, um, like I, I was... There isn't even new stuff. There's new stuff. It was just like, I was like... I. I remember like the the last couple pages. I'm like, why am I not listening to Rage Against the Machine right now? Because it would perfectly yeah. Accompli uh, it's it's frustrating because it's like it, it comes out so piecemeal, 
it's just like I don't even know what the last thing I read of this is so now I gotta dig through boxes and figure out where my preceding three issues are or I gotta find this in trade and it's sold out you can order it and, or, and it's expensive you can find it on eBay or Amazon maybe it's just so iffy the last time any of the material came out I start. I was trying to find it. I was trying to find anything, and it's like, okay, I found two issues, and I'm looking at the co the copyright page and seeing the the year it came out, and going, I didn't know this came out, because it just depends on what story you happen to be in, and then it's like, hey, is this collected? Yes. Can I get it? No. What the hell? It's just so frustrating. Um, and I'm and and yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think that the man. I know what he, I know more or less when you start writing the flagship titles for a major company like this you don't have time to work on your side project but it feels to me like you would have had that script sitting there for a long time so that Alex Maleev or whomever could do the work when the opportunity presented itself because you know when you're Brian Michael Bendis and you walk into the room and you've got a concept on a napkin they're going to buy it. Yeah. Because everything you touched has turned to gold for since 2000. So, Christ, that's 20 years. Yeah, it's been 20 years. And I was thinking about today, because uh, I was reading the new Six Criminals. Um, that's Matt Fraction, and thinking about mm -hmm. Matt Fraction, what he's done since 2010, 2007, like all the big names. But Bendis, it's been Bendis. And, yeah, Fraction's done a good job. Lars done great. Um, he's probably number two after Bendis, in my opinion. Uh, but, like, we've got Hickman working on um, Fantastic Four. Uh, we've got some epic runs. We've got Grant Morrison, early 2000s, uh, with uh, New X-Men. And then we've got Donny Cates right now. And he is, uh, uh, I'm sorry, he's not anything to do with what we're talking about right now. In regards, I'm just talking about writers. Donnie Cates has a stranglehold right now in the Marvel Universe. It's like everything, <laughs> everything cosmic, uh, Silver Surfer Black, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, starting from uh, Thanos Wins, um, Cosmic Ghost Rider, um, everything in space, he's kicking ass at. I'm, I'm surprised that they haven't had him write any of the X-Men comics where the New Mutants are, are dealing with the Shi'ar right now. And mm -hmm. and when you're talking about Bendis, like, yeah, he can write something on a napkin and they're going to buy it. But the fact that you can't get your pet project out, something obviously you slaved over, like, you, you could have, like, I know the guy's got, like, nine foster kids or something like that. He's 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 a honorary professor in Oregon. And, yeah, he's got a lot on his plate. But you got Scarlet. I mean, if, if you and I were handed Scarlet, or that was, even if it was our idea... You and I would have been locked in a in your apartment for two days, uh, drinking and ordering pizzas, and got thirty four issues written like that. <laughs> like, I could only hope we'd at least get twelve. Well, then... well, even then, it would have been it would have been typed out, proofread, edited a million times. None of us would have slept. We still would have been hungover, still drinking, pumping coffee at the same time, and uh, taking breaks to play magic. Just two days, just two days to to pump out twelve issues because Scarlet was that good. When you when you say it's his passion project, it, it just bothered me. I was like, well, why the hell did it take him so goddamn long to do it? 
I hope that's not what I said, but I think that what I think you're right. I mean, it is a personal project. It's a very personal story to him. But at a certain point, how much can you really believe that if you're not going to generate it? It's it's not like it's not like the company won't run it. It's not like it's so controversial. Do you think he's a... How much BS do we write about New York City and now you're writing a story about Portland, Oregon and how how poor the uh, police department is there uh, or or how bad the FBI is. Where everybody's That's what everybody's thing is. These get, people are the bad guys. You can't trust them. Nothing is more topical than that book. I don't understand why it's not coming out and, and being and like just making money hand over fist. Well... In regards to what I just said, yeah, he's got a ton of foster mm-hmm. kids. He's got a big family. He's picking, he's cherry picking his his money well to take care of people. Yeah, doing right. I mean, yeah. doing right. Which is totally honorable. I'm not, I'm not dissing on that. It's totally honorable. You, you, you pick where your, you know, you go where your money is. That, that's fine. I guess I'm just, just residual butt hurt. <laughs> like eight years of residual <laughs> butt hurt. Like, why haven't this? Why hasn't this story? But that, that's his family. That sort of thing. And, uh, the last thing I want to say about this is, like I say, yeah, uh, I, oh crap, where's the freaking, the, uh, the new writer has a really nice letter at the back of her first issue talking about being specifically phoned and by Bendis saying, I'm, I want to give you the, like, you should be the one writing this, please do it, and they were like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that, so. There you have it. Kelly Thompson, by the way. Uh, good job. Thus far, a lot of fun. I like the book. Carry on. What do we got next? We've got, so we just did, uh, going through my notes here, Jessica Jones. Uh, curse Words, number 25. Um, I'm going mm-hmm. to speed through a couple of this. Uh, wizard is Wizard, if you say it the, <laughs> the, the way it's uh, written out. Is it's it's the uh, really yeah W I Z O R D. It's the knockdown dragon number twenty five is the end of the series and it was heartfelt and meaningful and filthy and fun <laughs> and the artwork just flowed. I mean, like it, it was it was a bigger issue because it was the last one. But we're talking sacrifice. We're talking wizard is or wizard, whatever you want to say, it, battling the the basically the Satan of the comic book uh, Syzygy, and who is coming to our own land or Earth, and they're they're knocked down, drag out, and usually hate knockdown drag out comics unless it's like a Hulk comic. But it ended with his death, and his family continued his legacy. It was it was a perfect ending, and I, I had hmm. absolutely. It took me a while to find this comic man because this is one of those low print ones that didn't really hit off big time. Yeah. Uh, let me find the artwork here. His koala kid became a human. <laughs> yeah, finally. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, created created by Charles Soulet and Ryan Brown. Uh, colors Ooh, Addison Duke. Letters by Chris Crank. Cover A by Ryan Brown. Uh, Charles Soulet wrote it. Ryan Brown uh, drew it. It was it was just a lot of fun. I uh, want to fast forward over to the Weatherman, uh, which oh god, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for this for so long. The Weatherman, Volume 2, Number 6, uh, you see just these chopsticks over uh, a bowl of delicious-looking ramen. The best, 
the best Ooh. comic art ramen I've ever seen. Just in, in, in the, <laughs> the, the the label on the chopsticks over the bowl is just his last meal. Uh, apparently, he's responsible for ninety percent of the Earth dying of a virus, and Ooh. he erased his own brain. And he's part of he's part of an organization that is just put a a a ten hour stamp on their next big like genocide and we're coming up to the spot where they just rescued the uh like it was like four months ago it's been a while uh where they they finally found the hard drive that had the backup of his original brain for the sword and uh, the, the organization he's part of and they're trying to program it into him so he can be a a, a, a triple agent <laughs> Uh, still maintaining his new identity as a, he was an, he was an actual weatherman and and now he's involved in a lot of shit and he's responsible for everything that's happened and they just put his old brain back in his new brain but unfortunately they couldn't delete his new memories which was a big part of it because the organization he's going to re-infiltrate uh, has psychics and it the artwork mm. was great it flowed so well uh, we're talking uh, creators Joey uh, Leop and Nathan Fox, writer Joey Leup, or it's L-E-H-E-U-P, Leup. Artist John, uh, Nathan Fox, colorist uh, Moreno Denisio, colorist, wow, I'm just like, my eyes are like separating here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Farmhand. Number 13, uh, Farmhand, drawn and created by the artist for Chew. Do you remember Chew? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Chew, one of the best comics come out in the past 30 years, and uh, Rob Gilroy, created, written, and drawn by him. Colors by Jeremy uh, Treese, lettering and logo by uh, Cody Chamberlain. It's... His he finds out his dad, who he's estranged from, has a farm that they've created like techno. Well, not techno. It's more of a biological implants for humans. He figured out a plant that, as a farmer, that you could replace human limbs with. And unfortunately, right? Yeah, yeah. That. Unfortunately, uh, the seeds that respond to the the farmhand, the, the main character. His father, who created everything, uh, have been um, like think about uh, Turtles Two when they they find the the dump sites have giant dandelions like a hundred yards away. Like there's a leak, uh, okay, and the leak is getting into humans, and something is controlling them. The the up and coming mayor. It's building on the on the crescendo here. The, the farmhand he's been. He's his mind is being overtaken and it's it's going really fast. It's funny. It's it's hard to describe because there's very few things like this, uh, if 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 at all. It's it's whimsical in regards to the artwork. Whimsical. Yeah, nice. in regards to the artwork, but detailed. Uh, you, you can't just look at one scene and move on or one panel. Which makes me really happy because there's always hidden details in everything Rob Gilroy does, and we you get that can get exhausting. It can, but it it's it's it pays off. It's not like you're looking for clues for the story. Uh, you, you, it's a lot of hidden jokes and Easter eggs, and 
it's building to the end. And they, they found a guy that that just, uh, he, he was one of the original scientists on the original project that's been hiding, and he's trying to help him, and it's not looking good. But that's that's the most I can say. It just it was great. Um, it, it's it's hard to talk about these indie comics without trying to ruin them because we're talking about Thor and yeah. I mean, we can ruin a Thor comic or or spoilers for someone, and it, it won't <laughs> it, it won't it won't take away from things. It'll actually add to things. When it comes to the indie comics, uh, like Farmhand. Oh, what a fascinating point. Yeah, man. It, it's it's hard, and because like I'm trying to give you the the the, the gist of it. It's worth talking about, but it's not worth talk. It's not truly worth talking about until all of you guys have read it. So, um, tell tell me what you think about uh, what I've said so far for everyone that's reading it, because this is one of those books you don't miss. Uh, same thing with the Weatherman, or the same thing the way Chew was. I remember, like my first issue of Chew was second. No, first issue of Chew I bought was third print. Pissed I, I didn't buy it when I first saw it, like <laughs> a month before or two months beforehand. I remember those flew off the shelves. It flew yeah. off the shelves, and, and Kirkman was crushing it right then. Yeah, because it, it was it was right around like when uh, Chew first came out, right when Abraham first started. Like I want to say like fifty eight in Walking Dead. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, fifty was it fifty six? Uh, it was like fifty six or fifty eight. You might be right. It's fifty eight ish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was right around that time when the indie comics really just got a lot of steam. But at the same time, though. Everything else had steam even crazier because it was Dark Rain. It was the beginning of Dark Rain. Deadpool just restarted. Yeah, the, like right. my favorite run of Deadpool, uh, the Daniel Way run was just just started. Um, the Cabal. I mean, like uh, Zodiac. Everything was just like there wasn't anything that Marvel and Image was doing that sucked. Kick Ass was finishing up. Um, God damn. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, Kick-Ass was finishing up. Ten years, yeah. man. I mean, that's 2009-ish, right? Mm-mm. 2007. Oh, wow. Yeah, 2007. But yeah, that's what I got on that. Let's uh, let's go back to space. Tell me about... Uh, I know you read Star Wars, too. Let's go back to space. Yeah, the new Star Wars... Wow. Uh, I gotta say, you've got... So much Lando-heavy stuff going on right now. Oh, I love Lando. I, I love it. Let me get the, the credits are uh, Charles Soleil is the writer. Jesus Saiz, the artist. Good job. Way to go capturing the likenesses. For real. It's not that photorealistic stuff that you got tired of. Yeah. But it's still fantastic because it's comics art. Uh, Arif Prianto is the colorist. Clayton Cowles from Virtual Calligraphy is the letterer. Uh, yeah, that's what we got. Apparently, there's a um, smattering of variant covers. I appreciate what's going on in this issue in in the, in the outset right away because we are seeing Lando, Leia, Luke, etc. Before Lando and Chewie depart the Rebel fleet to go. Look for Java, or go look for for Boba Fett, etc. Hmm. <laughs> However, it's funny. What we don't get is the, to see that moment from the end of Empire where they fly away. Uh, agreed. And and just real quick, it's funny talking about Boba Fett now because he ain't shit compared to the Mandalorian. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> like I he ain't shit. Like, really for. <laughs> 
<laughs> Boba Fett was something that we were fascinated with when we were kids, Six and it's amazing. Lines, something like, any, that. like anybody can take him seriously. Going out like a punk. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Cool armor doesn't mean anything if you're not that cool. Anyway, it, it's not even. Yeah, the, it's not the, even. Uh, it's not even the Baby Yoda thing. Like they could have. You you could literally remove Baby Yoda from almost everything and just put like a, a the Pulp Fiction briefcase of gold <laughs> or or soul. It, it, it didn't matter what the Mandalorian was trying to save. What mattered was how badass he was. And and then I'm watching this and, and thinking like, man, I used to really love Boba Fett. Like I like I don't have Slave One of the the one of my cherished uh, things I've not bought yet was the oh, Lego dude. Slave One. And after that, oh, it's yeah. After that, after the Mandalorian, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care anymore. When I was, uh, let's see how much of a dork I can get into being without going without talking about this comic book like I'm supposed to be. When I was in oh God, junior high, middle school, I was still playing with my Star Wars toys. Yeah, I had a Millennium Falcon. I had so many action figures. My X-Wings wings were always busted. You couldn't replace it. They were taped shut so that they were all there. I don't know why they were all broken. I've, I've never seen other busted-ass X-Wings like mine were. I think I was just rough on that thing. And um, there were loads of other really, really good... Uh, things going on with, with those toys, but it was like 1990, you know? I was about to be in high school, and I was still playing with these toys and having my own stories and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, the Micro Machines came out, and I was absolutely enamored of having tiny little versions of Star Wars toys. None of us knew why. Just on the suspicion that there were going to be more movies round about 1997 and so and and you're here we go with these little sets that had the little minifigs in it and everything and one of them finally came out that had a boba fett in it and i was just like it's just the armor was so cool to have another guy that was remotely like darth vader so whether or not you knew what any of his gadgets did or whether or not you knew what was under the mask and all of that stuff the concept. So, like, whenever I was playing the further adventures after Return of the Jedi of Luke and Lando or Luke and Han and Leia, etc., the bad guy was always portrayed by Boba Fett. And I was fascinated by Slave One. Like, that ship just. It owned. I drooled over the concept of that ship. It owned. For so long. And I had this one guy that I grew up in the neighborhood with who was uh, my best friend until the second grade, he had a Slave One, and I could not get enough of playing with that thing. And then it broke my heart. We stopped being friends after the third grade, and because uh, we went away for a year and we came back, and um kid just wouldn't talk to me. So I, I just had no access to a Slave One. He also had the Dagobah playset, which I thought was incredible. Dagobah playset? Um, what was that? Oh, it's like, you know, it was a little, it was Yoda's hut, and you could take the lid off, and he would go in and out. You could do little things. It had little slider pieces, so you could stick an action figure down on the pegs, and then you could pull on tabs 
that would pivot and so they would move in and in in and out at one another and then you could pivot them around on the thing so they would uh <laughs> i think i've got that right and the whole thing was to be able to have like a lightsaber fight there between right. Luke and Darth Vader. And then there was a uh, there was a little foam area where you could have a character sink into the into the muck, quote unquote muck. <coughs> Excuse me, or the you know this quicksand or whatever the swamp was. It was just a really really cool standalone playset that was I think was very rare. I have not often encountered that playset. So when the Micro Machine one came out, you knew, I mean, damn, yeah, I threw the money down for that immediately. There's like one Micro Machine playset I did not get. The Sarlacc Pit, Jabba's Palace. It had zero play value. There was nothing you could really do with that. Because um, I was inventing my own stories. Sorry. Way off topic. No, no, no. It's, 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 Boba it's, Fett it's per- was not it's, the character I cared it's, about. It's it was perfectly on topic. Like was how relevant these people were to you and and my because i read the comic too was the fact that we're making lando even more relevant because what better way to make lando relevant was him finally like how many times did he say trust me in this in this issue yeah you can't get anyone to trust you after what just happened. no days away from it it's that fresh and then he bones himself by making a crack at Chewie about <laughs> how ice cold Chewie is. Yeah, and like, look. Oh, yeah, sorry. That is artistry. <laughs> to show Chewbacca with his face being like it is, with that glower, way to go. That is scripting and artwork combined in a fantastic way. Uh, I also really, really love how the t- when, they, when they get towards Tatooine... And the TIE Fighters swarm them. I suddenly had this thought. If the Rebels know where Boba Fett is taking Han Solo, why wouldn't they be surrounding Tatooine with an interdiction fleet to capture them? Every single ship going in and out of Tatooine over the next six or eight months to a year would be searched rigorously. For rebels or rebel informants or anything, anything resembling in an effort it. to capture Luke Skywalker. So this is the first time I ever saw anything like that. It just—it is so obvious that they would—they would keep a Tie Fighter patrol there, and and it's just funny because the Tie Fighter patrol goes after the Millennium Falcon right away, and they're all killed immediately by some some other bounty some bounty hunters in their high class fighter patrol. And then Lando comes through w- making a deal with these guys. <laughs> just deal after deal. <laughs> just being Lando and kicking ass. So I feel like it's really rather unfortunate, though, that Lando immediately goes to talk to Jabba. And I do like this, I do like this whole, the whole bit where, J- where Lando is, uh, is talking. I don't even know what the name of this character is. Talking to one of the... like. Oh, it's a Mana Man. I don't know what his actual name is, but the action figure would have been a Mana Man. And uh, <laughs> he's like, okay, you know, if you see Boba Fett, let me know. Just I'll make it worth your while. And he fist bumps him and says, stay flat. <laughs> stay flat, pal. Like he's some kind of like weird 
cockroach creature. Or just like you saying, just... like, uh, you, you you kids still use the word on fleek, and that's whack, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just, that was a, that was a cute moment. Uh, it's disturbing to me to think that Lando would, I, I, honestly, I just don't, maybe Lando is still in this position where he's like, yeah, I'll betray the rebels so I can get out of this, because everybody hates me right now, and I'm stuck in a situation where I can't get away from Chewie, like... Under any circumstances. <laughs> except that he walked into Jabba's palace without Chewie, and went back to Chewie. He could have found any number of other ways off of Tatooine. Especially in a ship that was so easily recognizable. And that was one of the big points. Like, you were in a ship that everyone knows what is up with this goddamn ship here. You are part of the Rebels. Uh, Not only that, but the guy that uh, supposedly owns it uh, owes a lot of money to a lot of people. And we just saw you do some serious shit, destroy Death Star, and you're just showing up to Tatooine... And, like, uh, you ain't got no money. <laughs> you got no money. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and you're smooth-talking, Colt 45, and uh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're way into things. And that was so much fun because I felt, and, 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 and I'm, this is me posing a question to you, did you feel the same distress of Lando that they did at the same time but have a lot of fun knowing that he would redeem himself? I really did, yes. I appreciate that they're making it impossible for me to trust a guy that is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. <laughs> I, uh, absolutely. Because I'm, I'm on the ride to see the motivation, to see the, to see the motive, to see the, the redemption. Like, I remember being a kid and just watching Star Wars over and over and over and over, all of the movies, all three of them, and not really giving Lando too much thought. And then, for whatever reason, I, I you know, like, imagine this. I watch Return of the Jedi one day, and then the next day, Return of the Jedi's in the theaters again. For the first time since 1983. And I'm like, you better believe I'm going to show up. Because when, when they started replaying the special edition in the theaters, I must have seen Star Wars five, six times. I went to see Empire over and over again. And then Jedi never came to my theater. And I was like, WTF? Why did Jedi not come to our well, theater? You were, were in Stillwater. I'm sure everyone in Norman saw it. it. But, but yeah, it drove me crazy. <laughs> and this was before we were driving down to OKC or wherever we were going to go to see something out of town for whatever reason. Because that was before we were like, oh, we got to go see it on the best screen in the state with the best sound or whatever. We just took it for what it was. Uh, because we didn't know there was some other better way to see it. And yet, it came to the Dollar Theater. And so, I went to see it at the Dollar Theater, and somehow or another, my entire understanding of Return of the Jedi was totally altered by watching it on the big screen. I was invested in it in a way that I never had been in my entire life. Probably because I couldn't get up and go to the bathroom without missing something. Probably because I didn't have a hundred distractions around me. Probably because I was 20. I don't know. But I'm looking at this and I saw the motivations for all of the characters and it blew my mind. It was a whole new movie. Leia isn't in it 
just for the rebellion anymore. She has to save the man that she has uh, fallen in love with. I know. Lando. Chewie's going to be there one way or the other because it's Han. That's his best friend. Whatever you'd been reading, the beta canon, yeah, oh, the Wookiee life debt, blah, 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 blah. All that's, no, it ain't on the screen, so it ain't real. But we know it is. And so things being what they are, I'm in my head, I'm like, Chewie's going to be there no matter what. And then Lando, Lando is willing to do anything he's got to do to prove himself to these people, to be worthy of their respect, to have some honor, to be respectable, to be worth the general's rank they gave him. And I'm suddenly compelled beyond my reason. I want to know everything there is to know about Lando. What has he done since Empire Strikes Back to Return of the Jedi? And then, you know, graciously, we got Shadows of the Empire and we got a lot of story there. But, you know, what about the Battle of Tanab? What about the rest of this? The thing that really got me was Luke. Luke rescues Han and then says they can handle it. Yeah. The rebels have this. I need to go save my father. I'm loving the I'm loving the disjointedness of the rebellion that you're we are very we've never really seen because from the movies itself that they seem pretty regulated that like we know what we're doing but they are showing yeah. how ragtag it really was and expanding on that and giving me the fear even though I know what really happened at the end. Uh, no, yeah, it, it, it is. It is fascinating how well they're, they're like. When was the last time someone like you were given historical fact, knew this happened for a fact, and then someone told you the inner workings of it, and while you're learning it, you are being more and more on edge that what you wanted to happen may or may not might have happened, like whether or not we won the Revolutionary War or or oh, or, or, or dude. It happens to me all the time. I think about, I, like, I recently watched World War II in color mm-hmm. from uh, Military History Channel, and I've watched it a dozen times, and it's on Netflix. I really, really recommend it. Not the greatest events of World War II in color. World War II in color. And you go in, and you, and you, you know how it all ends, but you're five, six episodes in, and you're just like, absolutely, this is the middle of the war. There's no telling. This could go either way. This is a bombing campaign. What is this going to do? Who are we going to hurt? How many people does it take? How much manufacturing does it take? How much does it take to break these people's spirits so that they'll come to the table and stop fighting? And it's like you're, you're in there. Or I think about I, I'm constantly bowled over by the Battle of Antietam in, in the Civil War. They've only, like, yeah, the, the federal, the, the union had some victories, but they were getting their asses kicked everywhere all the time. Stonewall Jackson, Robert E. Lee, just killing, crushing, defeating over and over and over again in all the main engagements. And is that just General McClellan's fault for being slow to respond or not taking advantage of opportunities but you get to the Battle of Antietam and more of it's on the line than you ever really realized because when they do technically win the battle 
Lee, AP Hill, Longstreet's Core, Stonewall, or, uh, yeah, Longstreet, not really there, uh, D.H. Hill, when the, when the Confederates leave, they have technically lost, even though they were not crushed, even though that wasn't the end of that war, right then and there, the, the, the Federals held the field, so that was a technical win. It was enough for Abraham Lincoln to release the Emancipation Proclamation. And that is more or less where people start to think that Britain and France decided we're not going to come in on the side of the Confederacy, which would have changed everything. I get especially to that in the, especially in the to naval, myself, naval perspective. Jesus Christ. Exactly. Like, okay, well, the federal government of the United States has a gigantic naval blockade of the Confederacy, and uh, Britain and France could have just sent ships and never sent troops. Go down there and bust up those, those American ships and get us the cotton we want, you know? Like, that's all that could have... That's the big difference right there. So that's that, I see these things. And I'm like, I know how the war ends, and yet, and yet, how much, what, what one, two little things could happen that would have made it different here, you know? That, yeah, that, I'm so glad you said that, because that's why all the new Star Wars comics are so good. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're, yeah. we're seeing it loud and clear. We've got a problem. I really like this business of, yeah, we broke up into smaller fleets, we had our own coordinates, but maybe we're hacked, and if we're hacked, we can't say where to meet up next. It is dire. It's scary. We, we you can't might, even tell it's them. It's a huge galaxy. Yeah, and you can't even tell them. Uh, one, of the, one of the greater points of what's going on right now, uh, fellow listeners, is that uh, the communications have been hacked. And if a communication goes through that we've been hacked, it is going to, or any communication whatsoever, is going to alert the empire where everyone is so goddamn and then yeah it's dying it's horrifying and then then leia when she's like when she's breaking it down basically we have to find everyone and tell them in person (laughs) in person yeah that we can't use these uh we can't use the communications anymore and uh anyone not up for this task and everyone's like Let's do this shit like that. That just I know gave me you chills. just you get every get near Y wing and go to these coordinates. Get near X wing and go to these coordinates. Let's take this. Uh, we can't because you can't risk a corvette and you can't risk a a frigate, a transport. You know, it's not like this is the place, man. I mean, I just need more Star Wars Rebels. I want Hera and. I got to see the rest of that series, and I keep thinking to myself, I want to see the ghost. I want to see the Phantom and the Phantom 2, and I want to see these characters going out and being who they are and taking care of business. And I haven't seen the rest of the series, so I really don't know how it pans out, but I'm hoping that those characters show up in this continuity at some point. But uh, I don't know if it goes that way. Marvel is a Disney property. Disney's not a Marvel property. I don't know why it would be a problem, but maybe it isn't. Now, this shadowy character at the end, I'm thinking that this is probably the, uh, the, uh, that bounty hunter cyborg. Yeah. From a couple of, a couple of, uh, 
weeks ago we talked about um, the one that hates Darth Vader. Loud and clear. Um, but simultaneously, because this this guy apparently caught Luke's lightsaber in Bespin as it fell down the shaft. Right. So whatever this is, this explains the probability of how uh, Baz Tanaga or whatever her name is has the lightsaber in a box in the new uh, sequel trilogy. Yeah, and I'm still still disjointed on their time frame here that Luke already would have had his new hand and yeah but uh, I they're doing their best yeah uh, if, if yeah. that's my if that's my biggest complaint so be it then they're they're still kicking ass yeah no this is good this is fun yeah so I, I, like, I, I like seeing Luke being all messed up in the head about stuff what else you got I got, I got what two? I've got two more books. What do you got? That I'm gonna lump together. What have you you've got? got uh, I got you've both got of the three books. You've got three. Doctor Strange too. Oh my god, Doctor Strange! I can sum that one up really quick. All right. It didn't get. It didn't. Start, Doctor Strange, Sur, uh, Surgeon Supreme number two. Did we do? Didn't did, leave me. Did we do? I just didn't do anything. Did we do credits for uh, Star Wars? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Just make sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, the only really interesting thing going on in Surgeon Supreme was that Doctor Voodoo, or Doc, I'm oh, sorry, not Doctor Doctor Voodoo. No, uh, Doctor Druid is alive for some reason, and like, why the hell didn't Doctor Strange like? Okay, hey, no, no, no. We got to sit here and we got to discuss this. And they're working in the same hospital. Uh, okay, well. That seems like something that we don't want to leave as a mystery. It's something we really need to figure out. But because it's a comic book, somebody's got to go off and do something crazy town. Um, nothing really, really, really important happened in this book. I cannot care about the Wrecking Crew, even if they have Asgardian weapons. Doesn't, doesn't see. And then, like, what, this is really just pushing the idea of the new Strange Academy book, which which they had like twelve pages of at the, like most of the comics that came out this week. Uh, most comics are twenty two pages, twenty three, twenty four. <laughs> Give yeah. they, I, I counted twelve. I, I I just I'm not gonna. This doesn't interest me. All right, I don't need mystical X Men. I don't need knockoff. Gryffindor or whatever. I mean, I know it's Doctor Strange. It's just it's not gonna do anything. I, I I'm not it's it's not gonna do anything, it's not gonna last, it's not this is this isn't even like Secret Avengers or Quake and Phobos and whatever other rando BS characters that Nick Fury might hide away. It, this I just I just can't care about this. I, I I'm probably I am not going to end up reading the Strange Academy. Uh, looked, something enormous would have to happen in that because it's just I don't really feel like reading cutesy books. Looked, I'm already reading Archie. Look pretty bad. So yeah, I mean it's honestly it's not that it's bad. It's just this isn't the content that I'm interested in. The only now thing, if my ten year old wants to read it, I'd be like hell yeah, we'll get this, dude. The only thing I, th I saw but, about it that was was Chris Pachalo's uh, is uh, doing the oh work. yes. Yeah. That's that was it's very colorful. The art is awesome. Chris Bacallo. Bacallo? Bacallo. Bacallo. I think it's Bacallo. Bacallo, yeah. Just, we're just such do a... love his art, and I, and I do appreciate how colorful it is. Um, 
It's just almost candy-assed, and I don't like candy-assed. Well, any fan of The Rock would not like anything candy-assed not eating poutine pie. <laughs> yeah. It's all about that poutine uh, pie, baby. Yummy. Yummy. That's, uh, um, uh, just before I forget, uh, anyone that's listening to us uh, that might have watched the Super Bowl, we're post. We're recording this Saturday night, and uh, we're posting this on Wednesday. But if you watch the Super Bowl, Google uh, WWE halftime special, and you will see oh, yeah. the oh. best performances. One of the best performances of The Rock versus Mankind you will ever see. He's dumping trash on him. Stop making a mess! <laughs> uh like it, like all the great lines, uh, you look like uh, three pounds of monkey shit poured into a one pound bag. I mean, everything was perfect. Um, but yeah, uh, continue. Just to... Con- sorry. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. I'm sorry. Uh, just to push my own BS, um, a couple of weeks ago I did a Kia commercial here in Tulsa. He stars, uh, what is it, Jeffrey Jacobs, who is a new, uh, he's a kid that grew up in Tulsa, went to Alabama, I don't even know. I just, I don't follow professional football anymore. Um, And he's a Raider. He's on the Oakland Raiders now. He, uh, my cousin was so excited. He's always been an enormous Raiders fan wherever they were playing. And... uh, he is just thrilled that I get to work on a commercial with this guy. He was so down to earth, so awesome. Super Bowl ad. Kia Super Bowl ad. If you see a little boy running around with a guy <laughs> following in a car, imagining his life and stuff like that, it's 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 Jacob Jeffrey Jacob and um He was super cool to work with. It was a good commercial. I finally got paid for it. The taxes. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe how much taxes they took out. Holy moly. There's all new tax codes and tax... Oh, forget about it. I don't even want to talk about it. It's very disheartening. Uh, So yeah. Forget about it. Forget about it. Um, I'm going to stick with Doctor Strange flipping into the Doctor Strange The End book. We have no basis for what year this is taking place except that he does have a holographic character kind of like what is it lila from uh spider-man 2099 yeah that he is interacting with and he is definitely an old a cranky old sorcerer um it's a leo williams story with uh philip and philip andrade very good art very cool art uh very good colors chris o'halloran uh vc's clayton cowles lettering um in the end, I don't know if I really like this. Uh, the situation is that there's so little magic left in the world, and he has the magic. Is he still depleted? But he's very depleted because as all of the other magically imbued characters have died off, the Scarlet Witch in particular... Um, he has so much less magic ability. So that's a whole concept we've never really explored. The idea that there'd be less magic in a world without people to utilize it. Oh. 
So it's not like a force that just runs rampant by itself when you don't have, like, magical rodeo guys to corral it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just fascinating to think that that's the case. So it, so through the story, he, he gets picked on by a bunch of a-hole kids, and he runs them out, and then he's sick of it, so he decides to leave, and he goes, and he's carrying a gigantic uh, case wherein lies the eternal flame of Wong. Uh, and he goes and he goes to all these graveyards and collects the bones of all of his dead friends. Is Wong dead in this? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's dead. Well, Wong right But he's talking to his spirit through the case. Wong right now is fighting uh, Ghost Rider uh, in the pages of Ghost Rider at the moment. Dude, uh, Wong needs his own book. Wong, Wong should have a 12-part limited series... Depicting his entire life in two different time periods. The old stuff, how he met Doctor Strange, tell us the tale, or leave it a mystery, I don't care. Have it have it start, and then him deciding to leave like we had in the recent stuff, and then going, Wong, guys, Marvel, give us a good Wong book, okay? Uh, that's what I'm saying. But in this story, it's the end, so it's obviously the future, and Doctor Strange is the only magical person still milling around the world. And he uh, he takes Brother Voodoo's bones, you know Wanda Maximoff's bones. Everybody in in this case carrying the uh, Eternal Flame of Wong, they go somewhere and he does a ritual, and he's burning it all in this magical flame, and it's hopefully supposed to release magic back into the world. But it turns out he has to sacrifice himself also. So he walks into the flames, and it it's a really beautiful moment. It's kind of touching. It's kind of sad. Uh, and magic is released back into the world for the next Sorcerer Supreme, who is floating in this ether egg in front of the immortal being Eternity out in space. And it's Ileana, magic of the X-Men, right? Uh, Ileana so, Magic, yes. She's got uh, that giant sword. She has direct access to Purgatory. <clears throat> Ileana, yeah. She's got this cool. She's got this cool uh, geometrically shaped staff here. It's a giant and, uh, sword. The Eye of Agamotto. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't have her giant sword here. So she returns to civilization and uh, goes back to. The Sanctum, which I'm presuming she encounters a very elderly Zelda, but we don't get a name on this gal. And um, despite how old she must be, she's still very young and attractive, Magic. Uh, one of my least favorite characters in Marvel for whatever reason. But really, um, she takes on the mantle of being the Sorcerer Supreme at the end of it. And it's 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 just kind of touching. It's a touching story. Yeah, I don't like her. I think that she is a spoiled, pain in the butt character. The the reason that I love, <coughs> I really I, I love her so much because she was uh, her death is what spawned Colossus leaving the X Men and uh, the Fatal Attraction storyline. Like uh, they they had promised her, they had promised Colossus that okay, you go you got to go on this mission. We'll take care of her. We promise she'll be alive when you get back. And uh, for our listeners, the legacy virus that she was suffering from was basically the AIDS virus for mutants. And 
Yeah. He gets back from said mission, and uh, Kitty and Jubilee are gr- meeting him from the X-Wing, and they're in stitches, and he, he promised me. And that is what... Mm. that's So that was my real first encounter with her, because I, I wasn't old enough to really be into the New Mutants uh, at the time. Again, I'm 37, so it was in, like, 92, 91. Um, yeah. So that like she was just Colossus's kid sister, who should have been about around the same age as him, but she had been um, her her age had been regressed due to some other magical thing, and she was just a kid. Like she wasn't no longer the magic that you see with. But now she's it makes sense that they would make her the Sorcerer Supreme with her powers to hell and that sword she has. Uh, her her control of her powers that's one thing I really always liked about her since they really brought her back as a as a key figure since like I want to say maybe like 2011 when or maybe 2010 when they brought back the new mutants uh, even like cipher and um, warlock I mean they did a really good job and they're doing a really good job right now I, I in fact I can't think of any new mutant storyline that has had her that I didn't like but um I think that's my problem. I need to go, I've got New Mutants books that I have not read. I need to read those books and see if I can get a deeper bearing on her character. Uh, There's, I, I, my first real encounter with her was in the Phoenix Five. Oh, God. Then during no wonder you hate her. <laughs> yeah, okay, so loud and clear, loud and clear. No, this is more... This yeah, is, I, I, it could be all my problem for not knowing, but... No, yeah. the only reason is because I encountered her as a child, and that was it. Just that makes sense. I I feel like the it's, it's not Power Pack, is it? It's New Mutants. Yes, yeah, it's, it's New Mutants. I feel like the yeah the kid characters really hit in the eighties, so that there were grown up kid stories that kids could read that weren't too grown up, and it was kids solving issues and doing cool stuff. You know? Agree. Yeah. Uh, I've only got one more The End book, Captain Marvel The End. Do you have anything you want to talk about before I get into it? No, I want to finish off with my favorite book. Okay. Well, then, they did this other one. I did not read the Dare... uh, The, uh, what's it? The, uh, Deadpool? Don't care. Um, (laughs) Nobody does. Captain Marvel, I have been a little bit burned on because I did not like the movie so much. Um, but Kelly Thompson wrote Cameron... Or Carmen Carnero is the artist. Good job, by the way. David Curiel, color artist, also really nice. Nice. Uh, VC's Travis Lanham, letter. Um, this was a realistic take on a Captain Mar- the like a last Captain Marvel story. Okay. Um, it is a. This is really appropriate. This was. This was really really good. Um, the only reason I picked this up was because I was like, "Hey, it's a one shot Captain Marvel. What could go wrong?" Yeah, you know? why not? So, yeah, it's in the year twenty fifty one. Captain Marvel has been in space for a really long time, being a lot an energy being and like saving these planets, uh, saving aliens. You get the impression that nobody knows where she came from, or maybe they do, and they they're like, you know, they're never gonna know, they're never gonna 
<clears throat> have any reason to think that anything impressive is going on at Earth. Uh, she's got a spaceship she flo- does stuff in, and she's very lonely. Uh, but she has a bunch of photos, framed photos, um, and she's got a pager that beeps and tells her she needs to come back to Earth. And she's astonished that she hasn't heard it from anything from anybody on Earth in decades. And she's terrified that she left people behind that she should have saved. Makes sense. But we get the impression that something horrendous happened that we don't know what it is that uh, that drove her to be like, okay, there's no reason to come back to Earth. She comes back. <coughs> she walks around the streets, and it's just horrible. It's a frozen-over world. And she flies by the old Avengers Tower, and she encounters something, and somebody's immediately like, oh, my God, it's... Carol Danvers, and it's um, Jessica Drew's son, Jerry Drew. Uh, Emma Frost is still alive. Um, Who else do we have here? Danny Cage, so that's Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's daughter. Right. Uh, Molly Hayes from The Runaways. Really? Um, Yeah, a character called Fuse that I don't really know much about. Rogue is there. And um, she says, no, I'm, I am Rogue, but she was my mom. I'm Irene. She looks identical to Rogue. and uh, But she's got Gambit's eyes. Beautiful. And then, uh, sorry? Beautiful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. So it's this sad little group of, you know, the Avengers of tomorrow, basically. And they... They do what they can do to save people, but they really can't do a whole lot because Earth is such a radiated, cold wasteland. And uh, they live inside, and they live underground, and they thrive, if you want to call it that. But some new, gigantic, radioactive monster has been coming out of the ocean and screwing up everybody's lives and wrecking things. And they're like, we got to find a way to stop it, and we just can't. Now, we've got a person that goes outside and absorbs a giant amount of radioactivity and then releases it into the sky, and so that creates pockets of safe zones for us for a minute. But then this beast, blah, blah, blah. So it's kind of shocking that Captain Marvel's thought is, I'm just going to like fly inside the thing with some of you guys, and we're going to defeat it from the inside because we can't penetrate it. And it's just a gigantic monster, and I'm like, is this something from... Atlantis or some mole man or who the hell knows but they defeat this thing and they're like okay well hey maybe now everything's going to be okay and we can start trying to find a way to get back onto the surface and whatever and they're celebrating because they won and then uh, Carol decides that the thing that she needs to do is to make the surface of the earth habitable for them again so she basically flies up to the sun and puts the entirety of her power into it and the sun starts shining brightly like it should and you know that everything's going to melt and be okay. So I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Sunshine? No. What is that? Oh my God. All right, let me find it. I'm looking it up right now. It is... A lot of people have never seen it. Uh, I, I went to see it at the Arc Light in L.A. 
with the best sound in the world, and it blew my freaking mind. It was because the sound was so good, the visualizations are so good, the performances were awesome. Here is the cast list: Cillian Murphy, love him, who is the star; Chris Evans, love Captain him. A. Effin America, arguably my favorite character in the whole movie. He is the engineer Mace. Michelle Yeoh, oh, love her. Oh my god. Super uh, She's too, crushing baby. it on Discovery, but I'm kind of tired of her character. Um, who else was in this? Uh, Hir- Hiroyuki Sanada. Oh, shit. Yep, that yep, guy yep. is awesome. That guy was. Yeah. He was in Avengers Endgame. He was in Canada. Wolverine. Yeah. Like, no, that guy's. No, that guy owns. Okay. Keep... Yeah. He was amazing in this. Benedict Wong. Uh, yeah, Wong is in this. Benedict Wong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He played a character named Trey. And, um, who, oh, 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 Mark Strong is in this? Oh, uh, I watched, I, I rewatched Kick-Ass 1 and 2 today, and I just <laughs> love that man. Uh, I know he's, I yeah, know, he's I know he's in the first one, but he was just perfect for Sinestro. And for, who? Oh, oh, so, oh, he was awesome as Sinestro. He was awesome. Mark Strong, dude, he is amazing in everything. He always uh, he always delivers. Always delivers. Uh, no, no, keep going about Rose this movie. Byrne, Rose Byrne was beautiful in this. Even dressed down and kind of frumpy looking. She was just gorgeous. Uh, and oh, who's the other guy? One other guy. He played Travis on... Uh, Cliff, Cliff Curtis? Played Travis on Fear the Walking Dead? I never watched that show. I think his name is Cliff Curtis. He played Jesus... In the um, if he's Jesus, oh hell yeah, dude! That movie was really really good. It was a it was a police procedural in Roman times, and it starred uh, um, Yusuf Fines and Mark Felton, Tom Felton, Tom Felton, Drago or Draco, Malfoy, yeah, Tom Felton, so good. Anyway, so yeah, I'm sorry, we're talking about two different movies now. Uh, I can't remember the name of the police procedural in Roman times about the death of Jesus. Freaking watch that movie if you can find it. Um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. But, um, Sunshine. Okay. The Earth's... Okay, the sun is burning out. Okay. And Earth is getting very, very, very cold. And so, beyond the science of this... We have taken every last piece of fissile material on Earth and packed it into an, an, in a compressed bomb that is enormous inside of a spaceship called Icarus 2 that is traveling to the sun, and when they get close enough, they're going to deploy the bomb in an attempt to, react, to reignite the sun or reactivate it, um, spin up its cycles again. Now, this is the second time we tried it. Because the first ship, the Icarus 1, got close and then would disappear and no one knows what happened. Okay. This is a Danny Boyle movie. So if you like 28 Days Later, if you like... Uh, I suddenly can't think of all of his other stuff. That, but, I mean, this, this movie suffers from a situation where no one can really tell what it's supposed to be. Because it's one of those things where characters are getting killed one after the other. And that's thematic to this type of storyline. 
Is it a science fiction movie? Is it a tragedy? Is it a and isn't it a space adventure? Dude, it's so freaking high tension. You're gonna love it. Uh, and play it with incredible sound, with the loudest possible bass subwoofer, 5.1, 7.1 you can get. Okay. It'll rock your ass. Mm. Anyway, oh, Kick-Ass. When you watch Kick-Ass and uh, Big Daddy is going around crushing everything, they took that piece of music from Sunshine. Really? Yes. That when, when when they plug in the teddy bear and you see Big Daddy just yep. executing everyone. Oh God, that was awesome! Like I was rewatching that today and I was, I was making some. Uh, I had that going on when because uh, Dad wanted to make some burgers today, so I went over and <laughs> and uh, we're making burgers. Uh, uh, like, dude, I, I did everything. Like salsa, boiled everything. Uh, like boiled the like I did an old school one where you boiled the tomatoes and the jalapenos and and I had kick ass going <clears> on <throat> and that scene came up and I was like, this is uh, this is what made Nick Cage make this movie. <laughs> like 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 <laughs> that so. scene. Uh, he was great. Nah, I mean, I think Nick Cage is just down to work on comic book pro- properties. Well, well same but, thing uh, with I think you're same right. thing with Mark Strong, man. He was in Kick Ass. He was in Green Lantern. He was in um, God. Uh, looking at his his uh, his resume, his resume it, is insane. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, God. What else was he in? Uh, just a lot of comic book stuff. Hold on, I'm loading it right now. So he only has one movie he's known for that he posts on his uh, Kingsman. That was a comic. Um, Never watched one of them. He was in Shazam. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah, like oh, just love the guy. I, I, I like honestly, I love him so much that right now I really hope he's like safe and sound, in a really comfy mattress with a hot chick. Everyone in his family all curled asleep. He's got great food in the fridge. Money, <laughs> money in his pocket. Can he please be a villain in a Star Trek movie? Like. Or just make him be a kick-ass Star Trek captain. Oh, dude! Did you you've seen Zero Dark Thirty? Yes, but his role in that was awesome. He would be an amazing, amazing Star Trek captain. Like I would honestly buy him as the next Picard if they wanted to put. If they said Mark Strong is the next uh, guy, uh, heralding to play a younger Picard. No, not even playing a younger Picard, but he's going to be the new. Uh, the uh, holding the helm of uh, as the captain of the the, the flagship. Uh, oh, oh my god! It, 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 it would just be like, oh, don't mess with that guy. Yeah, the Romulans would just be like, don't, um, don't piss them off. Yeah, I mean, like, dude, you know who I saw? I saw. I was looking at uh, Brent Spiner playing the younger, earlier seasons of Data today, and somebody and like somebody accidentally posted a photo of Tom Hiddleston, and I was like. Oh wait, what would Tom Hiddleston look like with that hair, those eyes, and that gold-colored skin? Uh, good enough to buy a parody porno of it, because that sounds good <laughs> enough to me. Uh, yeah. uh, loud and clear on that one, brother. Loud and clear. Uh, but man, if the, like honestly, if they said new Star Trek, new Enterprise, this is like twenty ninety whatever. Um, Tom, Tom, Mark Strong. Yeah, Mark Strong is uh, as the captain. Sign me up. So, I, I, uh, yeah, folks. Uh, oh yeah, I don't want to get into a whole extra Star Trek well, well, conversation. No, today. no. Why not? Why not? I mean, honestly, it'd be the opposite. So, like, 
Shatner was the the cool dude. Uh, Picard was the stone cold guy. Uh, he didn't have too much of a reputation, but like if they brought Mark Strong on as like, wait a minute, who's the captain? Like he, if if you're no, let's just let's speculate, let's speculate on this. Okay. Uh, most most ships in the United States Navy survive, you know, twenty years. You could be the USS Missouri. And you can be around for 50 years or whatever, this insane amount of time. And aircraft carriers, it just seems like ships have about a two-decade lifespan, uh, depending on what they are and what they're used for, whether or not they're refit and converted or brought up to date, and how expensive is it going to be to do that. So you think about the original, the NCC-1701 Enterprise Constitution class, and it's like, well, how long was it around? And then you think about the refit, and it's still technically the same ship. So it's a multi-decade-old starship, and it's time to upgrade. We've got the Excelsior class and whatever else. The point I'm getting at is how long could we really have perceived the Enterprise-D to be around outside of what happened to it? And then there's the Enterprise-E, which was technically new as of 1996. And... If it's still around in the Picard series, I just think that would be totally badass. Like, what if Captain Picard was like, oh, we're decommissioning the Enterprise E in favor of the Enterprise F? I don't know. I just want to know who's captaining it, where is it, what's it been doing, what's their crew like, and all of that stuff. You know, I would be, I'm looking forward to finding that out off of that series. I would be. I would be all about that, especially if, like, there was a lot of, like, hodgepodge modifications, and uh-huh. Mark Strong was, like, you know, captain. Why not? I mean, especially if, if they started something new 30 years from what we are doing, from where they just last left off. Um, good crew. Um, well, I, I'd want more of a rebel crew, like, a bunch of people that, like... Don't usually take direction well. Uh, same thing with him being that sort of. It's still the Enterprise, it's, but it, it's but it's flagship. it's still the Enterprise, and they have to figure things out. I mean, we we got dropped into next gen with people that were ready to take orders uh, and ready to be the best they can be in an academic uh, type of environment where uh, you had to study there. You had to study to get to that point, as opposed to where. You're the best of the best, but we don't trust you, but we still have to have this to happen. But with Mark Strong as helm, I would like to start a petition for that, the way that they would petition for Idris Elba to be Bond. And I believe that... Whoa, no, no, no. Now I want Idris Elba to be captain of the Enterprise. (laughs) Oh, why are you doing this? Oh, I know, right? Oh, dude. Dude, if Idris Elba was captain of the Enterprise uh, with his English accent, uh, I would probably watch every episode dehydrated and and tired (laughs) after after every episode, which would be just fine with me. Yeah, yeah, fuck Mark Strong. The acting prowess of the guys that we're throwing around for this is just a question of how much amazing... Lore, do you want to put under somebody's belt? You know, agreed. And and wow, but well, well, let's move on. We got one more comic to talk about. <laughs> Go for it. This was my comic of the week. I was holding off uh, the entire conversation about this one. Um, 
This one really fascinated me. This was the Flash number 87. Okay, so mm-hmm. the Speed Force has gone out of control. Kid Flash, the other chick that I forget the name of, they're having trouble controlling the Speed Force. They just kicked the shit out of Captain Cold. Fortunately, they just got arrested because they just broke a lot of, a lot of laws. Yeah. yeah. And we've got Captain Cold and the Flash and Power Dampeners on their way to Arkham. And Flash decides he wants to start talking to Captain Cold. And it's an immediate screw you. And Captain Cold's like, you're a cop. I don't even have to know who you are. You're a cop. You were obviously raised by cops, or you are a cop. It's, it's all over you. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm a police officer. And he's like, yeah, there, there you go. And he's like, but I'm not the normal, like, shoot em up cop. And he's like, yeah, but you're, you're here capturing me, and, and we're having a dialogue where they're both guilty for everything they've done. And mm-hmm. and they're in the same spot. It's not like where one of them has the upper hand on the other. They are having a legit conversation, and they are getting along. And as the as the conversation progresses, they start revealing things to each other. Like not they're not like oh I'm this person. I mean they, they like obviously they know who Captain Flash knows who Captain Cold is. Captain Cold doesn't need to know who he is. And they get to they get to Arkham. And hey, welcome. Are, are are we Batman villains now? Like, <laughs> 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 and uh, uh, I, I'm super green with with Flash. I've read a million Flash comics, but there's so many uh, people they bring in that I don't know who they are. And uh, figures out that basically the Speed Force has gone so out of control that the problem they're having with it is that it gets so powerful that they're existing in multiple. Uh, dimensions at the same time because the vibrations are changing. Awesome! I love it. Was, it. it was, That's one of my favorite things about the oh, Flash. It, it was great, and they they he figures he he repurposes this vibrational gun to ground them in in our particular Earth vibration. But don't go don't mm-hmm. go too far with it because you still got like the you've got a problem here, and uh, they're carrying uh, Kid Flash of it as well, and there's a break out in Arkham and Captain Cold's making his way out and Flash is like wants to go get him and rather than he wanted to but if he disconnected from the machine that was saving uh, Kid Flash and the other chick uh, it would have uh, ruined the like it would it would have fucked him up it it really would have the opposite would have happened and he had to watch Captain Cold get away and he goes home like we we get three panels of him enjoying uh, some wine with his girlfriend, and then Flash from the Future, that was the Flash from the Future from the uh, Flash Year One from uh, about like eight months ago shows up, oh, right. and oh, right. he is like, "Listen, uh, we we messed up. We've created a paradox, not a paradox, but the paradox, as in a personification of someone, and he's coming for us, and he's as he's describing." Coming from the past for a solid 30 seconds, he's deteriorating from full-grown, like, 60-year-old man into de- decomposing human being. And just, it Ooh. just collapses into ash. And here we go. Next issue. New bad guy. And, um, what have I been saying about, like, most of the comics we've been reading for months 
give me a goddamn new good bad guy. <laughs> I know, man. It's hard. It's hard for. I keep I keep thinking like the age of good bad guys might be over because they just can keep going back to properties that they own. But it's create is a creator controlled content when you generate a new character that becomes a force of media nature. And it's like, okay, well, this is what we got to do now. Like, this guy got popular. We got to go with it. You know what I mean? Loud and clear. Loud and clear. And, yeah, and yeah. It's a worry. Yeah, but, but we've got a promise now. The, this issue of Flash, groundbreaking. If, you, if you're concerned about or, or uh, excited to have an actual dialogue and said, I'm going to kick your ass, Captain Cold, and punch, 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 and, oh, no, I've been foiled. Uh, curses! No, no. This is them having a li- like. It's all about their conversation in in the paddy wagon on the way to Arkham. And yeah, for I, real. I, I really love what you said about that when we were talking about this. Yeah, I, 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 give, I give our listeners more, but it, w- it would really take away from it because you got to experience it. And then the fact that, uh, well, the, the Flash Year One was so good, man. Oh God, I mean, remember I, I talked about it for every single issue. Uh huh. Well, that was one of the things that we were ta- we we mentioned this before we got on the show. Uh, we, we sometimes we start talking and we almost uh, spill the juice instead of like pouring it out for everybody. Um, so the thing being like, we get into this business of how we're 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 talking about the idea that these characters, good guys with their bad guys, getting the opportunity to talk to one another, and. Without going into the detail of the Flash, because I did not read it, now I'm going to go back and check it out. Like, I, I remember some obnoxious story where, I think it was a Chris Piccolo book, too. Like, the art was very Chris Piccolo-esque, if I recall, uh, of uh, Spidey and Green Goblin having a huge battle and then wearing themselves out and, like, leaning up against the same post and having no recourse but to have a discussion. And it's like... But why? Why would it be the Green Goblin? I mean, the guy more or less got Gwen Stacy killed and has, like, caused all this other grief for him and ruined Harry's life and all of these things. And I'm like, okay, I get it if it's like it's gonna, Peter's going to sit down and end up talking to Molten Man or Boomerang or some D-list villain that he's dealt with a dozen times. Electro, even. But, like, somehow or another that didn't get me. But the concept is very sound. Dude, the, the, they were uh, even talking about... There's a Deep Space Nine episode where this happens. It's freaking great. They were even talking about their dads and, and their upbringing. Like, you're rich boy. Yeah. You're rich boy. You came from this. I can tell. And he's like, no, my dad was a piece of shit. <laughs> and that and they go back and forth. Uh, man, like, if, if they'd have done this in a three-parter... I really think this should have. Oh wow! I, I really think this should have been a three-parter. The the capture of both Flash and, and Captain Cold and wrangling in, the wrangling them in while they're still fighting each other. Part one, into the end in, into the paddy wagon. Part two, full on conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah the, I do what you're saying. You want to, you want to stretch it yeah, out a bit like the that. entire issue, dense. Like Grant Morrison, Alan Moore, uh, like we're talking like it takes like ten minutes to get through one page type dense. Let's 
Let, let's <laughs> let them talk. Because Captain Cold might sound like a pussy to most people just from his name, but he's not. And get that density of, of a conversation, and we are very similar, but we're fighting for you know <clears throat> different means. And then issue three, figure out how to fix the Flash Force, the Speed Force, and um, for 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 like they, they didn't even show the breakout. Basically, like the room that the, you hear there's a breakout and there's a crash in the room that they're fixing the Speed Force in. Captain Cold's like, "Hey, peace." <laughs> No, no, there should have been, like, I wanted to see him, like, there should have been a full-on breakout scene, him releasing bad guys, guards being murdered, innocent guards being murdered by uh, Killer Croc, and, and and Captain Cold even, like, getting hurt by a few of the inmates that just don't give a shit who he is, even though that he freed him. That would have... Yeah. Yeah. Hell, not even a three... Did you like the... Per- portrayal of captain cold in the flash tv series loved it Did you... loved it yeah there. that guy from the uh from breakout or whatever dude uh yeah uh what's his name uh god uh prison break i can prison break like, yeah w- i never i've never w- watched weston went on something uh it's a w something no that guy was awesome and he he did a great captain cold the flash uh cw series was was superior uh, out of all of them, uh, Arrow was Arrow was decent. I, I've seen most of them. Um, goddamn, everything with DC is just—I mean—they're really knocking them in the park right now. Good, good, yeah. yeah. They deserve to have something that we're not all sitting here making fun of because the movies are frustrating. However, I—oh, dude, I—I I want somebody that I want. I just want to—I—I I could watch Wonder Woman. I want to watch Wonder Woman with somebody. I haven't seen it. And I really can't wait to see this new one. I've never seen a trailer that made me want to watch something just more than this. The trailer for the new Wonder Woman movie just looks freaking I've been I've been meaning for a uh, reprisal. Uh, like I, I said the wrong song. They weren't playing True Faith. They were playing Blue Monday. Through, th- yeah, right, yeah, they are playing Blue Monday for that. I, I just got really excited. I said the wrong song. Um, oh, what the other day? Yeah, it was yeah, like like four deal. episodes ago. But even then, like it, bo- it, it it's, <laughs> it's been bothering me. Like I said, the wrong new New Order song. Uh, yeah, it was Blue Monday, and yeah. yeah. Well, how does it feel? It it, it feels. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, that's sorry. That was a cheap was shot a t- at two and a half that hours. Was a total cheap <laughs> shot, man. Um, yeah, but even then, man, like uh, that's all I got for this week, man. It's been a great re- recording with you. Uh, we've we've got tonight, man. We've got Wednesday's show in the in the can, and uh, I'm probably just gonna. It's a lot of content, guys. <laughs> a lot of content. Like, we've been recording for two and a half hours, and I'm probably gonna uh, chill and talk to one of my favorite people in the world in a minute that just texted me. And um, but that's all I got, man. Uh, I'm saying um, minefields. This is dangerous. It is. It is, in fact, dangerous. It, it so is, in fact, dangerous. And this transmission... <laughs> transmission? This, this transmission this is over. This transmission's over. over. <laughs> Good, night. Good night, brother. All right, we're out, dude. That was solid. That, that was solid. That was a great episode, man. All right. Stay home, man. I love you. Love you too, dude. I'll, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye.